Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Alright everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host for the day, Corey. And uh, tonight we're being joined in studio by Kendall. Hello. And Ethan, Jockstrap. Hello. And uh, how's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Uh, Great. We are picking back up on our our media day coverage. This is going to be our show we do on day two, kind of reviewing everything that was going on. Uh, I'm hoping you guys kind of enjoyed the day one episode we did. Um, you know, we're, I, I feel like we're still learning how to do some of these update shows. We're, we're getting the hang of it. Um, the first time we ever tried to do one on that big 12 weekly review, I thought it was horrible. I hated it. We went ahead and posted it, but, um, you know, we got a lot to learn on how to do that. Uh, I feel like we got the review shows down pretty well and the interview shows. So this is just another thing we've got to add. Cause I, I do like to do these. I like to let everybody kind of know what's going on. So hopefully you guys enjoyed all that that we did on that show and if not let us know and uh by all means let us know what we can improve upon because uh we'll listen and take your feedback um anything you guys uh, just want to talk about that you gathered from now that we've kind of got both days out there for media days anything you want to mention real quickly it's one of those things where i felt like some of the coaches were all coach talk everybody's you know in that coach mode of one day at a time, one mm-hmm. step at a, you know, one practice at a time, that type of thing. And then some of them were a little bit more relaxed, and it, and it seemed like they were more real, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of refreshing. I mean, uh, like we talked about it before the show started, we talked about Dana Hogerson. You know, sometimes he's kind of a little bit off the cuff, but yeah. it, it's it's refreshing whenever you're sitting here listening to all these things, and all of them sound exactly the same thing like you could mm-hmm. pretty much you could ask me a question and no matter what school i'm from i could answer it the exact same way yeah and, and it's and it's kind of refreshing to him because he's kind of off the cuff so i, I like when people are like that because it it makes it more interesting for us when we're trying to like cover somebody because it's not it's not the same crap over and over and over again yeah and, and you know like i talked about bob stoops i love the guy but it's just the same constant i mean which there's a lot of good things that can be said about consistency right and having the same front and you know he kind of guards the doors to the castle and and letting people in and everything and it was just kind of, you know, well, I'm not going to tell you guys that much, but I'll talk. You know what I mean? Right. And, and we just, it, you know, other than like the few times where <laughs> the reporter from Oklahoma, I won't name, that made him mad after Texas that one year, you know, other than him lashing out every now and then on something like that, uh, you know, he did, you know, just constant same message, coach speak, you know, not letting any, not letting anybody in. So um, now I will say this. I feel like this does – um present a different format to them because they're doing so many interviews throughout the day that maybe you do get a little bit more out of them than you normally would um so that's good Uh, that's one thing that's one reason i think it's a positive and plus you have so many different minds asking questions that sometimes you do get a little bit out of it well another thing too when you look at the big 12 as of like the last three years we've had a lot of turnover in coaching Mm -hmm. so we have a lot of new faces a lot of a lot of new you know younger guys coming in who who are not from that old guard, so they they think a little bit differently. They answer questions a little bit differently. So I mean, to me, that's kind of that's kind of refreshing too. Uh, you know, some of the older coaches they all kind of had the same the same mentality going into the interview process of of kind of building a wall around around their team and them and mm-hmm. and, and bunkering down. Whereas the younger guys seem to be a little bit more 
relaxed and a little bit more open to talk about things. Mm-hmm. And, and I like to, speaking of the players, you get the players kind of, um, you know, a chance. Some of the schools don't allow as much talk to the players. Or again, as I've stated repeatedly on this show, you know, a lot some of these schools don't have the coverage. Uh, we don't get to hear right. from the players near as much. So I think it's kind of cool to get to hear from them, you know, and, and their opinions on things. And with, like, you know, getting to hear Mason Rudolph talk about how, you know, what they're going to do differently to try to beat Oklahoma this year right. and get over that last hurdle to finally win the Big 12 and all that stuff. You know, it's not stuff you get to really hear a lot in those settings. Or, or if you do, it's in season. So only thing they'll ever talk about is that next game or, what just you happened. know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's nice to kind of get their viewpoint of the whole year year and realize they're human they're not robots even though right. they're trained to be robots they're not well that's one of those things too when you're a coach though you got to be careful who you send out there because the wrong you send the wrong kid out there and he says something really stupid he can make he can make your program look pretty bad you know with just a few words mm-hmm. so it's kind of a fine line they're trying to walk between letting them be themselves but also make sure that they don't outstep the boundaries and do something really dumb well and also who you send out there in terms of maybe their past or you know like joe mixon obviously like right. that's a situation you have to be careful about sending certain people out there that can be asked questions that could start a firestorm you know it may not be the kid's fault but some reporters got it in their agenda to ask you know certain questions that maybe they can't answer not allowed to answer not supposed to answer and then things go south so um jockstrap you got anything interesting you learn new from media days other than, I mean, not not your big three or anything, but anything no. different? I just keep talking about Mike Gundy's mullet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I personally am sick to death of it. I I wish somebody would sneak into his bedroom and cut the damn thing off at this point. Uh, just, I mean, it, it, like, it was kind of, I don't know, and maybe it's me being from Oklahoma. A mullet's not that big a deal to me because we have them here. Uh, I mean, there's a guy we know that worked for our grandpa for years. To this day, he's got a mullet. Right. You know, so it's not like uh, not like anything that's that big a deal to us. But it's just like so. It's almost kind of like the the Herman P test thing. It was like so overblown. Yeah. Every question they asked was about the mullet. And it's it just. I mean, it's just it's reached the point of stupidity. I mean, I'm glad. Like Colin said, it's good for Oklahoma State. It just brings you know any attention for Oklahoma State's good attention. They need, you know, notoriety. And, uh, well, I, you know, obviously you don't want the, the whole negative, like, right. the SI issue thing a few years ago. But for the most part, attention is good attention to OSU. And, you know, that kind of helps bring attention to them. And it's just, you know, Mike Gundy being Mike Gundy, I guess. But I just, man, I'm so burnt out on that thing. And we haven't even kicked off the season yet. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's, I think it's one of those things, too, when you're closer to it, like, you know, being – here, in the state of Oklahoma, game, and yeah. then also covering the Big Twelve, we're used. But you also think about from a national point of view, they they don't see it as much, mm-hmm. or they don't talk about it as much. So you know, when they ask those questions, it's it's different than being inside the bubble. Well, you could tell too because as soon as like Fox Sports and them, as soon as Gundy made it down to the floor that day, I mean, there was photos going up online. There was Twitter. You know, people were sending tweets out, the mullet is here and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you can tell they don't get exposed to it like we do. Right. Because it just wasn't that big a deal to me. But um, starting things out with media days on on day two, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, too, um, that, you know, I guess it it is appropriate we saved it for day two. You know, every year on day two, since they've gone to the two-day format, Tuesday, day two is always rules, you know, new rules day. Right. The ref talks about new rules. Um, I kind of thought that was, uh, for the most part, now some years it's been really interesting. Um, there's been a lot of really cool things covered this year, some really controversial stuff. Um, starting out first with that, um, I didn't want to play any clips because 
man, he gets up there and he just starts talking and it, it just wasn't a good clip um, type format where I could really cut out what I wanted without, you know, cutting off in the mid sentence or something. So, but just real quickly, did you, I don't know if you guys had a chance to, to watch any of it or tune into any of it, but starting with the coaches, um, the coaches rule where they can be disqualified or ejected. Did you guys see any of that stuff? I, I did a little bit and you know, I, I was, I was wondering like even in the past, like how close we were getting to that. Cause you could tell mm-hmm. some of the coaches were starting mm-hmm. to push that line of being. It's one thing to argue a call. They're starting to be just a little bit too animated, a little bit too aggressive, maybe using different kind of language they probably shouldn't be using. So, I mean, I can kind of see – I kind of thought maybe that was coming a while back. Mm-hmm. And, and I now see it finally implemented, it really doesn't surprise me very much. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I felt like it was something we could have used five years ago to a degree now. <sighs> Coaching football obviously is a little different than baseball. I mean, baseball you can have people coming out the home plate, you know, acting a fool and still keep their their position out there and go back to the dugout before it gets too far. Football you have to kind of walk that boundary, and I think some of them, you know, obviously they're using it as a um, you know kind of manipulating the ref uh, the ref to try to get maybe better calls later and right. things like that. But I mean, some of it was just borderline asinine. That one clip he played during the show of Billima, who was you know, from Arkansas and formerly Wisconsin. He was all the way out to the damn hash marks. Right. I mean, just going ballistic. And, you know, of course, we have so many clips of um, Dana Holgerson. And then going back to when he was allowed on the sideline, Mike Stoops. And, you know, just the, I agree. There, There's a time for it. And, and I think once they finally pull that trigger one time on somebody, it'll calm things down to some degree. Maybe people well, will think twice about it, but. And I, and I don't think the refs, they don't mind you arguing a call. I mean, they're, they're as, long, as long as you're doing it the right way. You know, I mean, they, they don't want to be shown up. They don't want to be treated like children. You know, but I mean, as long, you could, I'm sure they, they, they don't mind you arguing a call. They're mm-hmm. going to tell you what they've seen and this is what why they'll be called that. But, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to agree with them, but it also doesn't give you the right to, like, berate them or, you know, treat them like they're a second-class citizen. That, that's not right. Well, what, what he said, too, is he said, you know, we're going to get calls wrong. You know, and, you know, that was good for them to admit that because they had a bad year last year. I don't know if people remember, but Big 12 refs had a bad year last year. Um, you know, there was a lot of really questionable calls and missed calls. It was one of their worst years I can remember in recent memory. Um, but, you know, he said, we're going to get things wrong. You know, you, you guys can, you know, tell us about it or whatever. That's fine. But, you know, this I mean, I agree. There was some stuff he showed that was just, you know, that's getting a little ridiculous on right. some of it. And I and I don't blame him. They needed that authority. Well, and, the, and the human aspect of it is part of the game. I mean, it's kind of like in baseball, the umpire's strike zone or mm-hmm. whatever. It's part. It's part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna they're gonna make mistakes. They're human beings. You know, and they they try to correct some of it with the replay, but you can't replay every single play, every single foul. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, there there are gonna be mistakes made, and a lot of times, if they realize they make a mistake. There's always that, you know, quote unquote, makeup call somewhere, usually. Yeah, you know, it does and, happen. It does it happen. It does happen. You know, and, and whether people want to believe it or not, mm-hmm. it does happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really, I don't think any ref goes out there saying, I'm I'm going to screw this team over. Yeah, or I'm, not. They, they don't want to do that because they'll lose their job. Well, you know, obviously you got them junk fans who think there's a conspiracy sometimes against their team. But I, I, yeah, I just, I don't see that happening either. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, we talked about, I talked about that on Twitter with some of the fans uh, as it was being announced because some people were just losing their minds um 
you know, again, I, I think there's a place for it. I think it can be used, but I do think it's going to have to be a fine line. Obviously, they can't go out and just start chunking everybody. Um, he kind of made it clear in a visual term aspect of, you know, you can be on the sideline boundary, you can be in the white, but you start getting in off those side hash marks, yard markers, and getting into the green. And he said, then, you know, then we got a little bit of an issue. So, um, you know, I, I think as long as they can establish a clear marker there, then I think it's okay. And, and I also kind of blame the rest a little bit, too, because they could throw a flag. Mm, yeah, yeah. If you, you, if you give a personal foul and, and you give yeah. it up 15 yards or give the offense 15 yard jump, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can you can settle that down pretty quick by sideline warnings. You know, right. I like mean, that, you, don't, yeah. you don't necessarily you didn't necessarily have to get to the point of you ejecting somebody. If they would throw a few more flags and just make them lose yardage mm -hmm. and change and change the field position a little bit, I guarantee you that so that stuff will start calming down too. And see, they didn't. He didn't talk about any of that. And I think that intermediate approach is good too. I, almost to even where you could set up a system of sideline warning, personal foul, third time you're out of here. You right. know what I mean? Like right. I, I don't. I wouldn't even be opposed to something like that because then you've got clear. You know, and unless it just again, if it just reaches utter stupidity point, then go ahead and get rid of them. But it, if it's just the guy's being a nuisance, he's in your ear constantly. I wouldn't be opposed to somewhat of like a three strike system in the game and you're out. So, you know, and that's something I, I guarantee you. This is a rule that I, I think we're going to be stuck with it, but I think it's going to grow and progress. Uh, so many times, like the Halo rule that was so hated for so many years. Right. Um, it was around for three years or so, and it changed and morphed in all three of those years before they finally got rid of it several times. So, you know, I think they, they throw these rules out there, and then as they play with them, they learn how to, you know, maybe adjust them for the better. Uh, the other one that I thought was really key was the uh, command center thing. Uh, yes. You know, and again, that's something we'll get to in a little bit. Gundy, uh, he felt like the – Central Michigan game was a big reason for the command center. He thought that that, that situation uh, pushed for that. Um, I can't imagine you don't, but if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about, the the Central Michigan game against Oklahoma State last year where they lost, or if Colin says they won with an asterisk, however you want to say that, <laughs> uh, where Central Michigan was given another play when they shouldn't have been, right. uh, basically because the refs didn't understand the rule or how it was supposed to be used or applied. Uh, and then they win the game on that crazy Hail Mary play. So, um, and that and that is the difference in possibly Oklahoma State making a playoff. But I mean, obviously, them getting beat by Oklahoma at the end probably would have killed their playoff spot. But they would have been up there with one loss. They may not went to a playoff game. They might have had a chance for a BCS bowl or mm -hmm. you know higher bowl game than what they were at. Yeah, exactly. Know, so. I mean, so you know, and they went to a solid one against Colorado, but again, it, they could have been instead of being in at large, maybe they're because I think they were in at large, right? In right. That, yeah, so they could have maybe been something else, but I don't know. Uh, not the end of the world, because um, again, I think the lost Oklahoma probably would have knocked them out of the playoff that I, I late agree. in the year, but yeah. but still, um, that could have helped. So, and you know, a lost Central Michigan doesn't look good on your resume. No, absolutely so not. It, it, that's not going to help. Um, and, and I think there were some people that maybe took that into account, but I don't think it was ever really a big deciding factor as to where they ranked Oklahoma State. So, no, because um, they still finished ranked like what? The top seven, 12. Third, I, think, or I can't remember. I think it was now. like 11, 12, somewhere that in there. That what it was? Okay. But I mean, still, that, that's pretty high considering if you, if you had the, a, with the loss of Central Michigan on yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then waxing Colorado there at the end helped because Colorado was somewhat highly thought of, which, I mean, again, if you remember going to that bowl game, I told you guys, I, I thought that was a mismatch. I thought Oklahoma State would wax them. And that's exactly what happened. I just didn't – Colorado didn't play the kind of game I thought they needed to play to beat Oklahoma State. So um, so we got the command center rule where basically to sum it up is you got a group of people – I want to say it's in Dallas, San Antonio. I can't remember exactly where it is now. I'd have to go back and read it. But somewhere in Texas. And uh, 
what it is is they'll have live feed of the game with replays and everything. And um, I think we've seen this. What are, what are the NBA? Is NBA uses this? it. Uh, National Hockey League. Uses Major League it. Baseball use it now. Uh, Major League Baseball yeah. uses it. Like a lot, a lot of people are going to that instead yeah. of just being on the field. Well, I like it because they have help. You know what I mean? Like when you're in that moment, you've got eighty thousand fans on top of you. You got coaches yelling at you. You know, you're sitting there. Maybe it's just sometimes the human mind doesn't work like it should. Maybe something, you know, like, and I know this is a stupid, terrible, crude example, but me walking into here and sitting down in this chair, I can't remember half the things I want to say, but when I walk out, I know everything. Right. You know what I mean? Like, when you're put on the spot, maybe some things just don't click or, or work like they should. Well, and then you have multiple guys or or, or women in, in that boot you know in that central station that, that know the rules mm-hmm. so they, they're, they're gonna be able to talk about it and say hey what about this or mm-hmm. what about that they're gonna be able to have a discussion amongst them in, in, in a quiet area to come up with a, with a plan versus you know having to do it right there in the with booth. everybody watching right. them yeah and 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 one thing i thought too was interesting that i'll have to, we'll have to see how that plays out he talked about how there was going to be some some situations uh where they were maybe gonna be a little slower getting the ball spotted and things intentionally to give these people more time so we'll see how that, especially in a league that where people try to snap it like every 15 seconds, that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, because obviously if it's just, you know, your typical everyday run-of-the-mill play, they're not going to do that. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Effective momentum, that may set some coaches off. I can't blame them if it did. So, you know, it's part of the, the you know, catch-22 of it. It's good to have it, but there's going to be some issues we're going to have to deal with to have it. So that was the other one I thought was interesting, and we'll get into that more. Uh, Gundy talking about that here in a little bit. But uh, starting things off with, we're going to start off with the Longhorns. Uh, again, if you didn't listen to the show yesterday, and if you're not really that familiar with this, um, I am, I guess, a little different when it comes to what I take away from these media days than some people. I get tired of the coach speak, as we talked about. I get tired, and I feel like a lot of the X's and O's are crap. They don't really tell you a whole lot. Like, again, I thought rule – you know, again, not, and here's my thing. If we would have been there like we wanted to be, you know, if they'd allowed us to go, I would have been pushing to find out what kind of offensive system he ran in every right. at every turn. Um, there was a little bit of getting at it, but nobody really hammered it home like I thought they could have. And, you know, he basically all I ever heard him say was, you know, we're going to try to use – these players were recruited towards the system and a lot of speed and everything, and we're going to try to use that to our advantage. But that doesn't say anything about what they're going to do or how they're going to do it, and that's fine. He's keeping his cards close to the vest, and, hell, I don't blame him. Right. First year into the league, don't let anybody know what's going on because, you know, he's got a perception he, of what he is and what they could be. And he needs every advantage he can get, let's be honest. I mean, they're, they're behind the eight ball with, with everything that's happened there, with people leaving, new coaching staff, you know, uh, new, new quarterback, you know, all these different things coming on. They're they need all the advantages that they can get. Mm-hmm. So this to me, I don't blame them. I'm like you, I don't blame them at all for doing this. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, um, I just, I get tired of the coach speak and you know some of the fake X's and O's and everything. So I look for um, some some things I can really sink my teeth into and grab and and things that are like pure honesty out of them and stuff. And a lot of times that's talking about like the culture or what they're bringing to a program or what they're facing in a program. So starting here, and that may be somewhat of the theme of tonight's show, but. Um, starting with Tom Herman here, um, just a little bit of a long clip, but I felt like it was important. Uh, this is talking about, you know, when he got to Texas, what he was facing, you know, sitting down and talking to the kids, um, what they had been, you know, what their culture was, you know, which is as much as Charlie Strong did good things, it had become a losing culture uh, and not being in shine away from the big moments. And him, this is him talking about what he's up against there and, and how they're going to change that. And, again, I, it's a little bit of a lengthy clip, a couple minutes long, but I thought it was important talking about all that. So this is Tom Herman talking about the culture and what he's facing and how he's going to fix that. 
in our first team meeting, I, I said, raise your hand if you've been on a winning Texas football team, and three people raised their hand. Uh, we have three redshirt seniors. One of them is here today, and Nashawn Hughes, uh, that were on Coach Strong's last, or excuse me, Coach Brown's last team. And so, yeah, they don't. We don't know how to win really well right now. But I think the best way to do it is really. It's nothing different than what we've done everywhere we've been, and that's to compete every day in what we do and make sure that there are tangible rewards for winning whatever that competition is, whether that's, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, we, we have the, the student of the week, and that guy gets recognized, and, you know, we got T-shirts and all that. We got, again, everything from off-season conditioning drills uh, where we have winners and losers, and, and you know, the winners get to eat a better meal uh, than the losers. And, uh, you know, the, the list of competitions and tangible rewards for winning, but also tangible consequences for losing. I, I think losing has to be awful, and you can never get used to losing. That, that is um, one of the biggest maybe downfalls of a lot of teams is you get used to losing. No, losing is awful. It's awful. It's not just, oh, well, we'll get them next week. No, this is like the sky is falling type stuff. And so every time we, we have a, a competitive situation, we're going to make sure that, that the, the people that don't win in that competitive situation, that, that they feel awful about it and that it's not funny and it's not hokey or corny, that it's, it's really, really bad uh, for them to lose as well as it being very, very... Um, cool for the, for the for the guys that win, and very rewarding for the guys that win because that's what happens on Saturdays, and that's what happens throughout the season. And so uh, we train for chaos, and uh, we we put our guys through some extremely chaotic situations throughout off-season drills in the spring and in the summer, so that on Saturdays, hopefully, uh, the games will be easy, and that losing. Uh, will be something that is so distasteful that they can't even fathom going down that road. So, again, that, that's Tom Herman there talking about that. And, again, I apologize for the link to that. I just thought it was really important. Uh, I really liked what he said there. Uh, a lot of good things to be taken away from there. Just, uh, you know, they have been, again, just so just up against it, the losses and, you know, just the culture's down and the, the just the pride of Texas is to, down. And, uh, you know, again, it's a prideful program. That's no secret. Right. Um, you know, so that I think it's important what he's establishing there. And I think he's got a cool way of doing it. Right. And, and he's right. You, you, have, you have to make them want to compete every day. I mean, whenever they get into a law of just going through the motions instead of actually getting better and competing to get better, mm-hmm. he's right. You, you have to build that culture of competing – and wanting to win every single day. And you're right, that that is a huge transformation. You know, and we uh, you know, we we all agree that he's coming in a better situation than Charlie Strong was coming into mm-hmm. as well. So I mean, uh you know, you you, you have to kind of take what Charlie Strong did there with a little bit of a grain of salt cuz he way where he what he did where he started out and where he got him to made the wins worth there, but everything else was moving the right direction. Well, and the other you thing, know. the other thing too that he did that you know maybe hurt him is he 
controversially took out a lot of players early on uh, and dismissed them from the program. Some really talented ones to set and establish. So, you know, not only did he come into a lot less talent than Herman's going to come into, but he also got rid of a lot of the talent they did have on there. So, you know, that's not going to help him his case either. Obviously. And that, that's another, that was like another cultural thing. I mean, like, th- this is on the other end of the spectrum of the competition portion of it, and that was on the discipline portion of mm-hmm. it. Like, that that had to be done before you could talk about the competing portion of it. Mm-hmm. Like, so it, it, it all it, – it's all kind of run – to me, it seems like it, it all goes together. Like, I mean, without, without him, Charlie Strong, doing those disciplinary things – he wouldn't be set up to start talking about competing daily. Mm-hmm. Those two things, to me, go hand in hand. Well, Gundy had to do that at OSU too. Right. Um, exactly I mean, right. Les Miles was good with um, some players that, and again, it may be part of the SEC culture too. Good with a lot of players that maybe were questionable, and Gundy was not good with that. It was about tearing it down and building it back up, and now he's built the winner, but he's done it his way. Right. Um, so yeah, there was. A, I mean, I remember vividly living here. There were some people that were hacked about some of the players he was getting rid of at the time, but. You know, the people that truly believed in Gundy and believed he was the man for the job stuck with it. So, you know, Charlie Strong, you know, did everything he saw fit. I just, in the end, I don't think he was the man for the job. I think he did right. a good job. I just don't think it was the right fit for him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, All around, it wasn't the, the right fit. But what he did to me had to be done before Tom Herman could take over and do what he's doing now, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. And, and, and you know, because if you'll remember people talking about towards the end of the Mac Brown era, it became somewhat of a country club style atmosphere. Right. Of just, you know, we're at Texas and everything's great and we have everything we want and there just wasn't an urgency put on anything. And I, I very much appreciate what Herman's talking about when he says, you know, losing is awful. It has to be miserable. Yes. It has to be something you just absolutely, you have to hate to lose maybe more than you love to win. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that like that and are, you know, want to be like that. So, um, you know, I, to me, I'm all about it. I, I'm in full support of him doing that. I thought overall, uh, my first impressions of him, a lot of people thought his, and, and I heard this echoed a lot yesterday. Uh, so I thought he came across as arrogant. Um, I didn't so much take that away from it. I, there was parts of it that I thought he was, but, um, I think it's part of uh, – well, let me see how I can say this. I think it's part of the attitude he's trying to establish there for the players and the team too. Right. It's not necessarily that, oh, I think I'm better than everybody or I think I'm the best in the world, but he carries himself a certain way and wants that program to be carried a certain way of we are Texas and we are here to knock down your door. And, right. And I think that's part of what he's doing. Well, and I also think it's one of those things too. It depends on which fan base you're listening to. I mean, if you if you listen to the Texas fan base, they're like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, heck, obviously yeah. they're this all. Is, in, this yeah. is what we're talking about. And then if you listen to like an Oklahoma fan base or one of the rival you know fan bases, mm-hmm. it's going to be more, oh, what a jerk, you know. So it depend it kind of depends on where you stand as far as your love or hatred for Texas as well. There was kind of a, a decent mix of, of fans from all bases. I saw mention this on Twitter and things, and then also some writers. Um, there was some some journalists even on there that came away saying, man, I he really came off as arrogant in our interviews and everything. Thing. so you know i don't know i and again i don't know what was said before they got on the mic you know yeah, those situations behind know. the scenes and things like that you know there's i mean hell if, if the people heard half of what we said sitting down here before we recorded they'd probably be crazy but um you know i just i'd be i'd be curious to find some of that out but i just i didn't feel i felt like it was um a part of establishing his identity and, and you know this is the program we are texas more than yeah and, and he has he has to 
like what you're talking about is like he has to get his players to buy into that mm-hmm. because they've never had that before. Mm-hmm. They've never had a swagger. The, the we are yeah, Texas exactly. type of attitude. They've never had that, and so he has he has to be the guy kind of swinging the big stick that they can follow because mm-hmm. they, they've never had anybody do that around them. So I mean, you're right. He may not. I mean, only time will tell, in my opinion, because we we haven't seen a whole lot of him. Maybe he is an arrogant person. We don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe he's like mm-hmm. this every single. Interview, maybe, yeah. maybe he's like this every single media days. We don't know yet, but I mean, I, I want to give him a pass on this one in particular because I, I, I'm like you. I think he had to come in there and be kind of arrogant and cocky because he has to get his players to feel that same. Exactly, way. yeah. And he's trying to establish something. And I think, um, you know, the there was a time that Texas mid two thousands and you know the Oklahomas of the world. Uh, you know, Alabama, now that they're good, they, they walk into these stadiums with a swagger. And, you know, a lot of times their opponents are psyched out before they ever started playing them. Um, and then they got their butts kicked, you know. And and, and that's kind of what Oklahoma to some extent, Texas to some extent, ever a lot of these programs need to get back to is that, you know, we are we are awesome. We are going to come in here and take your head off and go home. You know, that, that he's got to somewhat establish that again with Texas. So Yeah, and you have to have that mindset as a player that, no matter what happens, we're good enough to win this ball game. Mm-hmm. No, no matter what you do, we're going to be better than you. Anytime we you, step you on the field, we're better. Right, yeah, exactly. And if you don't, if you come into the game thinking, like we were talking about Kansas on yesterday's episode, you know, we're talking about how Kansas before was in the attitude of, well, we're going to, we're automatically beat before we even get started. Then that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he ha- he has to establish that because he should be right. Texas should be that way. They should be that team when they come in. You know they're Texas and they're they're there to play football. Mm-hmm. So, um, getting into just a little bit of the highlights of what he talked about, Bouchelle, You know, somebody brought up his one at the passing academy. Uh, you know, Herman did the typical, you know, coach that you know I don't really worry about what kids do in t-shirts and shorts and all that. Um, you know, he he praised him and you know that was great that he did all that. But it's in a controlled environment. He mentioned and all that. So, you know, he didn't have too much to say about that. Um, you know, on the Ellinger Bouchelle thing. Um, you know, he's talking, he says he doesn't feel like they have any depth behind those two. Not mm-hmm. yet. Um, and that's something they're going to have to definitely figure out. Uh, I mean, it's not an emergency right away, but, um, let's just say, I mean, we haven't seen Ellinger, Ellinger, I call him Ellinger. A lot of people say Ellinger. I think it's Ellinger. Um, we haven't seen him play in a game yet. I, the right. dude's pretty good, but let's just say, for instance, he turns out to not be very good or can't handle it right now. What are they going to do if Bouchelle goes down? You know, that's something they've got well, to figure out. Well, and if you look at Texas over the last – this Colt McCoy, that, that has been their problem. Mm-hmm. It has been the quarterback, quarterback position. position. They, they've yep. missed on that position over and over again. And if they would have had that a few times, they, they would be in a totally different situation than they are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, you're right. They, they have to figure that position out. And, and Bouchelle has a lot of growing to do. I mean, as a freshman, I thought he played pretty well. I guess he got banged up there, there towards the end. And his intermediate passing wasn't all that great, but I mean, if he can improve on those things, he is a decent quarterback. He he can he can steady this team and have them go the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he he talked a little bit about um, you know why Texas has struggled in recent years. You know, the '80s departure. Um, you know, he, he to me it felt like he was trying to say basically there's been a little bit of instability in the athletic department and all that. And to some degree, he's right there. There, There's some truth to that. They've had some turnover there. DeLos Dodds, when he left, everybody right. knew that was going to be, um, you know, tough for Texas. I mean, DeLos Dodds has been the face of them for so long right. and, and built such a winner there. Um, you know, everybody knew that was going to be a little bit of a touch-and-go situation, figuring that out. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, the misses in recruiting and stuff like that. I mean, he didn't 
by no means did he go after Charlie or anything like that, but, you know, he, he talked about some of that. So, um, you know, I, I thought he did a pretty good job overall evaluation of him his first – I, I felt like, too, and some people may think I'm crazy, I felt like he looked a little nervous. I thought there was times in, in uh, when he was up on stage, maybe he was realizing the bigness of where he is now. You know, I am the coach of Texas, and now I'm on a stage. And, and I could be wrong. Again, I haven't seen him behind the scenes a lot, haven't had a chance to really deal with him a lot. Um, my first ever real exposure to him, like in a, a setting that was live and uh, not scripted was, you know, the interview he did with Cole Cubella 24 hours before he left for Texas right. uh, with Houston. And, you know, I just remember thinking, you know, what a jackass the way that went down. But, you know, again, I don't know what he was supposed to say in that situation either. That, that's a terrible so, situation to be in. Yeah. There's not, there's not. And <laughs> Cole Cubella stopped him on the sidelines going into the tunnel, you yeah. know, to find that out. So, you know, and, and so I've had to, I've had to develop somewhat of an opinion of him. I'm, I'm going to give the guy a chance. A lot of people thought he was arrogant. I personally don't, not in a negative way, arrogant anyway, if that makes sense. Right. Well, and, so, and, and three years from or two years from now, you might, you might change your opinion on that. But mm-hmm. I mean, from, I'm like you for this one particular media day, I give him a pass because I'm like you. I think he was trying to send a message to his players, his fans, his coaches. Mm-hmm. We are Texas, and you've got to establish that mindset now. Right. I mean, you got to get that hit the ground running. So I felt like that was uh, anything else you want to bring up with him before we move on. No, I, I'm, I'm like you. I just I I didn't buy into the whole arrogance thing. I mean, I, I'm with you. So I, I me and you have the same kind of agreement on that. So I. I'm with you, and I, I I thought he did a pretty good job. He did seem a little bit nervous at times, but like you said, I mean, you're now the head coach of Texas. You're, you're no longer at Houston anymore. Yeah, it's or, a different level. You know, where you're not offense coordinator on Urban Meyer anymore. You're you're the man at Texas, the flagship school of that state. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's a different it's a different animal now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so you know, I again, I thought he did a pretty good job. We'll see how things go from there. And again, we can't dive into every little aspect of, of the media days for every team. You guys don't understand how long it takes to do this, just to set up for the show with five teams in one show. So we would never get to it all. So, um, you know, that, that was just kind of my viewpoint on it. Things I took that were important from him, uh, moving on to West Virginia. That was, uh, you know, the next one I decided to go through and go with, um, you know, Dana, Excuse me. I thought I thought Dana did a pretty good job overall and everything. You know, he's he definitely looked like there was a comfort about him, um, and you know, kind of we've been here, we've done this now enough. Yeah. And it, to me, it looked like they were you know in the groove and ready to go. And I I I have this feeling just by watching him, he thinks they're going to be better than what everybody else thinks they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Like I think he thinks Will Greer is going to be after having you know Scott Howard last year. I I really think he. And this is just just me watching the outside. He didn't say anything, but it just seems like he's got that kind of attitude where he's kind of like kind of hitting around, like we're going to be better than what everybody's thinking. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just kind of got that feeling by watching him talk and the way he was acting that being a little bit more loose and relaxed. Like I, I think he thinks they're going to be better than what everybody else thinks they're going to be. Well, and something we've talked about in the past too a lot is they've had quality teams a lot of times, but he just hasn't had his quarterback. Uh, in any kind of shape or form, I don't think yet. Right. Um, you know, he's he's needed to get a guy that I think he feels like he can win with and uh, can do everything he wants to do in the system. And I feel like, um, you know, like obviously Skylar Howard wasn't 
that. Obviously, he wasn't. Um, you know, Clint Trickett, I thought, had a chance to be pretty solid uh, to do a lot of things he wants to do, but I, I feel like he, you know, obviously that felt short with his injuries and everything. Yeah, and, and not to knock Scott Howard, I, I felt like he gave him everything he had. Exactly. And he and he played his best of his ability. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't like he fell flat on his face. He, he gave him everything he had. It's just – I think Will Greer is at a different level mm-hmm. starting out than, than what Scott Howard was. Well, so. that's what I mean. I'm thinking that he finally, again, I don't know. I, personally, I think West Virginia is a little down from last year on what they'll do this year unless Skylar Howard take or unless uh, Will Greer takes them to the next level. Now he's got to do that, but I can't I can't guess that that's going to happen. I don't know. Um just because I feel like defensively they're not going to quite be where they were last year. Yeah, they I, lost quite a bit. Um right. and you know, and you're asking them to repeat a 10-win season too, and that's not easy to do either. So I don't know that, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe they go 9 wins, 8 wins, maybe they go 11. But what I feel like you're talking about there is I think he feels like, okay, I finally have a quarterback. I can do what right. I want to do with everything I want to do with it. So, um, you know, so he's got to feel a little dangerous. I, I can see that. And, again, the Big 12 is definitely about offense and definitely about scoring points. And if he feels like they got a weapon to do that with. And no one's talking about them. I, I mean, let's be honest. Like, everybody, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, because I mean, they, they everybody. I think we're all kind of agreement. They kind of have that run every couple of years, and it's kind of setting up that way. Mm-hmm. And then they have the whole Tom Herman thing coming to Texas, where you're like waiting for that program to explode, be to be Texas again. So no one's even really talking about West Virginia mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, and well, and again, I think a lot of people think they're going to take a step back, even with Greer, and I think that's part of it. I, I don't think people, and again, they haven't shown the ability to you know put back to back quality seasons yet in this league. You know what right. I mean? And not not top level 10 11 win season season so um you know we'll see what they do with that i just felt like i think that's where you're going with that i think to some degree he feels like he's got a guy that he can finally do okay this is my quarterback i've always wanted since we've been here you know let's go do some you know and gino was good gino right. was really good um but you know he didn't really spend that much time in the big 12 so i think now he's got and since then they really haven't had Mm-hmm. That, that exactly that type of quarterback, mm-hmm. the, the guy that can like make every throw. And I feel like I feel like uh, Will will be a better passer than Gino, more accurate than Gino was. Um, Gino had a live arm. I mean, he could oh, throw yeah. the ball yeah, a long ways. Uh, I just feel like that Will will be a little more accurate than he was. Um, but Will is also mobile. Now I don't think he's going to run like Gino did. I think Gino was a hell of a runner. But or you know um, Pat White either. I don't right. think he's going to be that kind of runner. But he watching him at Florida navigate through some of those defenses. He can move around a little bit when he needs to. He's very good in traffic. So um, again, I think that's what Dana thinks. Um, kind of starting out here with with a clip from Dana. Um, this is uh, something I kind of thought was cool. He talks about the importance of what transfers have meant to them since they've come to the Big Twelve. Because one thing we've talked about from day one, and personally, just before we had the show or anything, is how West Virginia has to build depth. They had, and when they came into this league, they did not have the depth they needed to win in this league. Well, I mean, that was no GCU. secret. I mean, yeah, exactly. They, they both had to build bigger conference depth. Exactly. They their starting twenty two wasn't bad, but when it came to, to you know nut punching time, and they really had to, to get in there in the in the in the trenches and rotate guys in and out and all that. They just didn't have the depth to survive a season. So, um, you know, I, I, he talks about how uh, transfers have meant so much to them and how it's helped them build a program here and how he relies on that every year. <clears throat> yeah, we, we made that decision about four or five years ago. I think it's five years ago we went four and eight. And, you know, the first year in the league we had, we had some top-end talent, but our depth wasn't very good. 
Uh, you know, recruited a lot of high school kids, got, got our depth better, but we went four and eight, so we needed some more top-end talent. So started doing a lot of transfers, uh, and they've, they've worked out. It's just kind of what our niche has been. Uh, we went better than 50%, more than 50% transfers uh, this last year. Uh, the 26 available we had, I think uh, 14 or 15 of them ended up being transfers. They've just worked out for us. I used to get uh, nervous on signing day when we missed out on a couple of high school kids. Now I don't really, it doesn't bother me. Not that I don't care, it just doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Because uh, we can find guys later on. You know, we've took three or four transfers here in the last couple of months, you know, that I think are going to end up making our program better. So uh, West Virginia is a little bit of a melting pot. We don't get many high school kids uh, from West Virginia, probably zero to two a year. Um, you know, so we got to go everywhere, you know, and part of what has, has enabled us to be able to have a lot of success is, is, to, get, is to get some good transfers. Got two of them here today. Uh, Kaiser White is from Lackawanna Junior College, and Justin Crawford is from Northwest Mississippi Junior College. Those guys have been, those guys are good players, and that's, that's, what, that's top end talent that we need to be able to win this league. All right, so that's Dana quickly talking about uh you know what juco's have meant to that program and i thought that was important for a few reasons one is um there's a lot of um negativity or you know conversation around juco's are they good program builders is it worth really taking the time to go get it and if you do is it worth taking one or two or is it worth you know taking 10 a class you know like he just said they took about 14 in this class that's right. a lot that's a big juco haul it is um but it's something that's worked for like kansas state and bill snyder um as West Virginia, if they start getting more success, I think now that they are a uh, in a Power Five, you know, a good Power Five program, because I I don't know, the Big East always to me felt a little less than everybody else. Right. But um, you know, that they're in one of the key ones, the main ones, um, and you know, they're getting their brand out there, and people are seeing them, and you know. Uh, they're a fun, flashy school, and, and Holgerson's a cool guy to play for and all that. If they start getting the success and winning, I think the recruiting will come up a notch. Even though you're having to recruit to Morgantown, which, again, a lot of these places in the Big 12 face the same this same issue. I mean, even take Oklahoma, for example. People think Oklahoma, well, it's a big power, blue blood. You still have to root kids to Norman, Oklahoma. Right. I mean, it's not uh, – when you, when they can go to Southern Cal and look at girls in bikinis on beaches and win 10 games a year – it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. No, you're right. You're um, right. You know, Austin for for Texas, that's a really cool town, really cool city. And then again, you're not that many that many hours from the beach, and you know that kind of stuff there too. So that's a little easier for schools like that. Um, you know, uh, OSU recruiting people to Stillwater, Oklahoma, not easy to do. No, it's not. Um, no. You know, Kansas and Manhattan, uh, Kansas or Kansas State and Manhattan, Kansas and Lawrence. I mean. You know, these middle-of-the-nowhere places in the plains that you're having to recruit these kids to. West Virginia is a really similar situation. Morgantown's kind of secluded by itself. I think it's, a, what, like an hour from Pittsburgh or something right. like that? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, you're exactly right on that. And it's one of those things to me, though, he's found his niche. I mean, the junior college players usually – the reason why they're going to junior college is not necessarily because they're not good athletes. Most of the time it's just because they didn't qualify coming out of high school to, to go – or they were like just overlooked by people. Mm -hmm. You know, high school kids are easy to miss on because you, you really you really don't know exactly what a high school. I mean, there's 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 don't miss players like a Adrian Peterson or something like that where you're like, God dang, this guy he could go to the NFL today. Mm -hmm. You know, there's players like that, but the majority of them you really don't know what they're going to turn into. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're gambling. You gamble just as much to me on a high school kid 
as you do on a JUCO kid, in my yeah. opinion. And to me, the JUCO kid can even be a little safer in a lot of cases um, if you can judge how he's going to play against the bigger talent and everything because obviously he's not going to see the same kind of talent in JUCO. But if he played at one of the top-notch JUCO schools, that does help. But, again, he's mature. He's been in a, a somewhat of a college program, weight room. He's a little older. You know, he's going to handle class schedule probably a little better. To me, there's a little less risk involved in some of those. Now, if it's a can't-miss Adrian Peterson type, then okay, that's right. one thing. But Well, and I think, too, is is like a lot of times the junior college players are probably more appreciative of getting that scholarship to a, to a major college versus a kid out of high school because the kid out of high school probably had 15 offers and he could have went to any of those schools where the JUCO kid mm-hmm. it's to the point to where – Hey, I'm at the end of my career unless I go play, and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, I think maybe they're even a little more appreciative. And, and you're probably gonna find out if they've had legal issues or whatever, because if they if they have you know some ba- you know some bad boy in them, they probably had that play out in junior college. Mm-hmm. So you're probably exactly. gonna know if they had an arrest or something like that versus an 18 year old kid coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses to both. Obviously, uh, the negative to JUCOs, you don't get them as long. You don't right. get a chance to build them in your program. Uh, in some cases, you can have them a year. And they're gone, uh, especially if they're good enough. So um, West Virginia, I, I kind of put on the same plane as Oklahoma State to some degree with the recruiting. I think they 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 can end up being real similar in the long run. I think they're going to chase a lot of the same players. Right. Um, I think West Virginia is a little behind at the moment, obviously, Oklahoma State. But I, I, I could see them ultimately ending up on the same plane uh, if West Virginia could just establish a run of success. I mean, if they could wrap off – you know, four or five years in a row of nine to ten win seasons somehow, even if they don't win, and say they win the Big 12 one year out of that too. Right. I think that's enough that they could take the recruiting up a notch and do something a little different with it. So, um, and again, more money, more funds they're getting from the Big 12. They can go out and hire some better recruiting coaches and things like that too. All that can help. So, you know, I, I think that's a big deal for them. But obviously he's made it work for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's made it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, whether you agree with going that direction or not, whether whatever your opinion is on that, he's made that work for his program. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think anybody can really doubt his results. I mean, you can you can say I would rather have a high school kid because I'd have him longer or whatever. But as far as results, he's getting the players to play for him, and and they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's working. Uh, they talked a little bit about him joining Spavital again. Mm-hmm. You know, they're back together. Um, you know, he he was quoted on there talking about, or basically said Spavital. 32 he was hired during the offseason after spending one season as Cal's coordinator um but he's was the Holgerson he was Holgerson's quarterback coach for two seasons 11 and 12 uh, and then went to A&M for three years and, and the quote from uh Holgerson is I got complete confidence in Jake I trained him for four years including stops at Oklahoma Houston and Oklahoma State he was my personal GA for four years and trained him how to do things. He went out on his own and did a lot of really good things. He knows how I think. I know he. I know how he thinks. So I've got 100% complete confidence in him being able to do this. So, you know, he gave a real good show of support to Spavital. You know, again, I my biggest. I, you know, Spavital obviously is one of the big names out there lately. You know, coordinator. Right. But my question with him, obviously, is his run game. He hasn't been showed a dedication to the run, and this team has to run the ball uh, as good as as good as. Um, they're going to be at the quarterback position. Their running backs are really good. I agree. Um, they they may have the best one-two punch running back in the conference right now. Uh, maybe three if we start going and talking three deep. And they've actually got four that aren't bad, uh, but three for sure that are that are pretty good. Well, so yeah, and Dana's done a good job. I, I will say this about him: as everybody thinks of him as this wild gunslinger, but I think if you look like the last couple of years, he kind of realized 
he needs to have a little bit more balance. Mm-hmm. And he's and he started putting that in there. And, and like last year's season, he won ten games with a quarterback. Let's be honest, that wasn't like an elite level quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I think he kind of figured he's starting to figure out you could still run the football and have some balance and keep your defense off the field just a little bit. Exactly, and and, and, and it can do. really it can really benefit you over the entire holiday season. If you're going to commit to a heavy pass, it's got to be what Tex made work forever, where it's a high percentage passing game of short passes that are basically just like run plays that right. move you down the field. And again, there's some risk to that, but it's got to be enough that you can rest your defense and all that because if not eventually your defense is just going to wear out and they're going to get killed i mean look at the oklahoma texas tech game i think that was a perfect example last year of what happens if your defense is out there too much uh you know oboe played a hundred and i think eight plays in that game or whatever they had to stretcher him out of the freaking locker room yeah i mean it, you know that that's and, what can happen to the defense in this conference if you don't do that right and not only does it take a toll on you in that game but it makes you tired going into the next week mm-hmm. and, and then you do that again and you do that you know if you do that five weeks in a row you're going to be dog tired going you know on the back end of the season exactly and, and that's usually whenever you start having the, the really important games that you you need to win mm-hmm. and so yeah. i mean if you're that tired going into that it's really gonna put you behind the eight ball going that game yeah so you know i i, I that's something definitely to watch i feel like holgerson will have enough you know uh mind about him to say hey jake you know we need to focus on running the ball here and maybe jake knows that I, I haven't really had to hear a whole lot from him yet um you know I hope so because it, it it hasn't shown in his past stops that he's been in, but he's been in, in systems that do run the ball well. I mean, he was with OSU in eleven, you know, they ran the ball really well. That was maybe the most balanced offense in the history of college football. Right. They ran exactly as many run plays as they did pass plays that year. It was still crazy that stat every time I see it. So you know that he was there as a part of that and all that. So you know we'll see. I don't know, or ten, whatever year that was, ten or eleven. Um, so you know I, I think they'll be all right in that situation. Um, there wasn't a lot as far as anything I felt like we could take from, uh, you know, situations on the field and things like that. I mean, he showed a lot of confidence in players like Kazir White that we're all familiar with and everything. Right. Um, again, I, I I thought he did do a jo- uh, did talk about you know, um, you know we do feel at home here now. It's our sixth year in the league. Da 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 da. Um, you know, he did step up for the Big Twelve, which was a lot. <clears throat> that was a theme of the of day two. A lot of people. We're talking about the coaches, asking the coaches, you know, with the Big 12 not making the playoff, where do you think they are and how do you think the future of the league is and on and on. And he stepped up and talked about how the league's going to be okay and, you know, uh, how well we've done the bowl season last year, which isn't hasn't been the case in recent media days. The previous year, our bowl seasons were awful. We had a hell of a bowl season last year. Uh, West Virginia was one of the only ones that didn't win. But they had a 10-year, 10-win season too, so they did good. Um, but you know, that I just felt like that was kind of the theme for them. We're here, we're comfortable, we're relaxed. And again, I think he does know a little bit, like you said, we're going to be all right. We're going to yeah. be good. So, and I think, I think he's, they're really flying under the radar and they're trying and, to, I think. Yeah. Too. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that he came in there with that kind of attitude of just kind of laid back. And I, I think he almost played into it knowing Hey, I, I don't, I don't really want to give my cards all away, but I think we're going to be pretty, I, I really feel like he felt. He feels pretty confident going into the season. One, it's, it's kind of the feeling I get from watching him. One thing I, I wanted to talk about, too, real quickly, we found out today that uh, he's signed a deal with Monster. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, he's – so no more Red Bull. Uh, he – I didn't get the – I should have opened the perks of the deal. We retweeted it. You can go to our, our feed and it'll be on there. But um, he signed a deal with Monster, and he, he's not going to be drinking Red Bull on the sidelines anymore. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. He's – He's a character, man. 
I, I like watching him on the sidelines because to me he's like he's like a a game within the game watching him on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I, I he, he's fun to watch to me. They need a camera just on him. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy watching him. I, you know, he, he has that big urn McCracken hairdo, and he's got mm-hmm. his Red Bull, and he's got the towel, and he's just and he's just kind of all. And the defense is on the field. You don't even have a headset on or anything. Like it, it's just he's like a game within the game. He's mm-hmm. fun to watch to me. Yeah, he he looks like a mad scientist over there. Uh, well, with that, you got anything else you want to add to, to West Virginia? No, I, I, I'm really get into the breakdowns of their team coming up. Cause I, like I said, I, I think we might have a little bit more respect for them going into the season mm-hmm. than some other people are going. Well, to. and again, I don't want to get too much into that. Right. So I want the people to understand that's why we're not diving a lot into where our previews start next week. And we are going to get into our opinions on the team and where they're going to go. So that's why we're not bringing that up. It's just more about what we took away from media days with each team. Uh, and a lot of it, again, it was just coach speaking. There wasn't much to learn. Um, some of them did talk about their depth chart. Some of them didn't. You know, we'll get into Matt Rule in a little bit. He talked about some of their depth chart things and stuff. So it just depends. Every coach was a little different. Um, but, again, 90% of it was just BS speak. That didn't mean anything. Uh, with that, next we'll roll on to Oklahoma State. Uh, obviously, as we talked about a while ago, the uh, big topic of conversation was his hair <laughs> uh, to the point that I got tired of hearing about it. Um you know, to him, he – I don't know. I thought he was – to me, he looked more comfortable and relaxed than I think I've ever seen him I, at that I, press yeah. conference. And and kind of hearing from uh, local people in Oklahoma, uh, they all kind of got this sense that he feels like this is his year. Mm-hmm. Like like they just kind of – you know, he never said that. He, you know, I don't think they actually heard that out of anybody's mouth or anything, but they just being around him and being around the other coaches and the players and stuff, they all kind of came away with this feeling of they have they have this confidence and they have this this ability like they have they feel like this is their year to do mm-hmm. it, you know to get over that hump. They they you know whether or not that happens or not we'll see, but I mean they just kind of felt like in general they all felt that's kind of the vibe they were getting from the from the program, mm-hmm. which is something. I mean, if you guys <clears throat> you guys that have been with us for a while remember, I asked back in February right after the bowl games, um, I told you guys and Colin still wants to fight me on this. I told you guys it was coming. Oklahoma State was going to be favored by a lot of people to win this league. Now, obviously the writers didn't do that. But a lot of the national media are picking them. A lot of key people, you know, just a lot of talking heads and things are picking them. A lot of writers are picking them. I mean, they got, what, 12 first-place votes. Right. Um, so um, they they are marked this year. It's not going to be your typical flying-under-the-radar type year for them where, okay, a lot of people are thinking, ah, oh, third or fourth, but they got a shot to win the league. They are picked to win the league by a lot of people. Um, and I asked you guys how you thought they would handle that because it's not something they've ever had to deal with, really. Um and I thought, you know, everything I heard from people, they they handled it well. Uh, every Nobody really shied away from it. Uh, there was an interview with Mason Rudolph on set with the Fox Sports guys where, you know, he talked about, you know, we do, we are doing, this is what we're doing, and we believe we can do, take the steps necessary to get over that hump. Uh, you know, obviously beating Oklahoma came up because right. that's been kind of a thorn in their side lately. Um, if they are going to win the league, it's going to have to come down to them beating Oklahoma a lot of ch- right. a lot of times. So, and, and that, I mean, I heard him. I heard another reporter ask him about what he thought about the Big Twelve championship game, and, and Rudolph said, "We expect to be at Jerry's World playing for the Big Twelve championship, and I hope to be carrying that trophy out of there." Like, you know, I mean, they, he they're thinking 
they're already thinking they have the ability to do that. You know, I mean, obviously Which is important, right? Obviously, you have to take it. You know, like the old coach speak, you do have to take it one game at a time. Mm-hmm. But but their their plans and their ideas are set on being in Dallas. You know, in the first week of December, and, and that's key because by the time that rolls around, if that does happen, you're ready for it. You've been visualizing this and practicing practicing this all year. Uh, this goes to part of how I was asking how they're going to handle this. It's not something they've done before. He's clearly preparing them for. This is what it's like to be the guy. This is what we've wanted. So we need to take the reins of this thing and go win this league. Um, and, you know, obviously winning this league comes with a lot more. You win this league and you do it right, you're in the playoff. Absolutely. It's going to happen. And then who knows what so, happens at that point. Yeah. So And they're dangerous. Uh, they're dangerous for anybody, especially teams that aren't used to seeing them having to go up against that offense and that firepower. They're going to have their hands full trying to study for them. So especially if they manage to win that first playoff game and you've got a short turnaround and have to play them again. Uh, you know, the, the, for the, in the title game right. with somebody else. So, you know, I I thought that was the one thing I really took away from it. I thought he was more ready, more prepared, more calm than I think I've ever heard him. Um, you know, he just – he really seemed like he was at peace with where things were with the program, you know, was excited about the culture. Uh, you know, it was brought up about how he feels being the most tenured coach in, in the Big 12 since I guess technically Patterson hasn't always been in the Big 12. Um, you know, talking about that and everything and – you know, he just, I don't know, I, I've, not that he's ever been, you know, antsy or had, just, I don't know, something about his, his responses and his, his demeanor, he just seemed more calm and at more peace than I think I've ever seen him uh, in any situation. So, uh, real quickly, the clip we have from him, uh, it's talking about his formula and how he's built this, you know, winning machine at Oklahoma State and, you know, what goes into that and how they're going to handle that going forward. It's changed over the years. Uh at first, when I got this job, I, I guess I wasn't smart enough to realize how hard it was. So we just never stopped. We moved forward. We tried to make the best decisions with the resources we had. We tried to be on the cutting edge, uh, not only X's and O's wise, but um, from the science behind football, different ways to do things, cutting back on practices, um, not having full-scale tackle practices or scrimmages in the fall and spring. But then as... Um, as we matured as a program, I realized the most important thing that we've done is we've created a, a culture at Oklahoma State for success in all different areas. Um, we have um, some structure. We have certain ways that, uh, that we expect our players to operate, uh, to be a part of our team, and that we're all lucky that we're here, myself included, and that Oklahoma State football is by far bigger than any one person in our program. And we live by that. We're very disciplined. Uh, we're very structured. Accountability is important. We're unselfish. Um, we respect our opponents, but we don't fear anybody. And I think that we've stayed with that, um, and we've created a culture where players understand success. Question on the left. Apologize, a little late there on the stop button. Um, yeah, so I thought he, you know, that that was kind of his formula for success. I thought that was cool, uh, him talking about that. And I, and I think he's right. I think that's, you know, He's done something a lot of people didn't think could be done at Oklahoma State. And, you know, again, a lot of people thought it would take an Oklahoma State guy to do it. Right. And understanding that dynamic and, you know, learning on how to lure kids to steal water and, you know, and do all that. And I, I thought he's done a hell of a job. And his experience being there as long as he has, I think, has paid off. Uh, understanding where that program's place is and where it was and how it's going to – and how it needs to be, you know, where it is now, the winner. Uh, and, again, I still think there's more he can do there. I – you know, I, I, I've started to hear a little bit of, of murmurs from some people that maybe he's topped out there. And, again, this is my pure, strong belief. I'm not asking anybody else to believe it. I still believe if they can find some way to go pay an up-and-coming big-time defensive coordinator, 
Again, an example like that defensive line coach at Michigan. I think that guy is going to be a big-time defensive coordinator. Somebody like that that can recruit and bring a defensive culture to this school, then they become a perennial power, I think. Um, as long as they're there doing what he's doing. Uh, and, and, I, and I feel like now they understand the formula of what it takes to win at Oklahoma State. They're going to kind of stick to that. Right. And it may not work. I mean, USC tried it. They tried to bring in Pete Carroll-type guys after that, and it just never could find the magic again. I'm not saying it's that easy. But if they can and they can and, – and, you know, maybe one of his disciples or somebody similar to him or a former Oklahoma State player under Pat Jones or somebody, you know, whatever, um, understanding what it takes to win there, I still believe if they can just develop some kind of culture of defense there – they literally will become a perennial power. They've always got the firepower, always. They've always had the firepower for the last 10 years, roughly. Um, they, it's just, you know, you've got to get some better players, plain and simple, some better players. And and they're getting athletes. They're, they're starting to get really good. Again, they've recruited speed. Um, I've said a few times, they may be the fastest team in the conference on both sides of the ball, especially on that turf up there at Boone Pickens. They look really fast up there. So they've recruited really good athletes, but – I just feel like they've got to do a better job of getting good, top-quality football players, especially in that front seven. Right. Um, well, and, and like we talked about you know, yesterday's podcast, is it's hard to do the Big 12 like you talked about. I mean, you, if you're a big guy, you, you don't want to come here and chase a bunch of little kids around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 30 yards down the field. You want to be able to clog a hole up and knock someone down mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage. So you, you, you have to find the right mixture – and you're right, they haven't been able to do that on defense. Like, every once in a while they have, like, a, a good defensive lineman, but then they have three that are, you know, average. Mm-hmm. And so, they, you know, if it, you're right, they haven't found that right combination yet on defense. You know, and, and I think they have to do what we talked about Texas Tech doing. They're going to have to force some things on defense. They're going to have to take some chances. They're going to be ball hawks. They're going to have to cause turnovers. That's whenever Oklahoma State was really in the mix for, you know, like that – that was 11 season, you know, when mm-hmm. they were really in the mix, that, that's one thing they really preached was ball hawking, getting turnovers, getting the ball to our offense and scoring. And, and that, you know, that they're going to have to do that again because they don't have the defense. They can just line up, play base defense and stop you. Well, and see, we talked about that with Tech. They're going to have to do that to make up for it. And I believe that with Oklahoma State, too, until they start getting some of those elite pass rushers and everything, I feel like they're going to need – uh, to get turnovers, and, and here's the problem: it's not something you can count on. You, no, you can can't. build a culture around it. Right. You can you can teach kids how to go get it, but it still has to happen. You still have to put yourself in position to make those turnovers. And if they can, if they can somehow recapture that 11 season when it comes to turnover ratio and everything with this offense, good lord, right? Uh, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, exactly. And another thing, even even if you knock the ball out of someone's hands, football is a funny thing. It bounces all kinds of weird ways. It doesn't even mean you're even going to get the, the ball whenever whenever it's on the ground. You know, so I mean, well, prime you, prime example like that Landry Jones deflection they had off the volley, the volley. I still one of the greatest plays. Still, we brought it up on Bedlam when we asked that question a few weeks ago. That volley from out of bounds to the interception yes. to linebacker. I mean, that just the football. You just get your hands on it, and some crazy things are going to happen. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. football's a weird, it's a weird sport when it comes to like turnovers because you never, you could preach it and everything like you're saying, but that doesn't mean you're actually going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it, it's it's a it's really hard to capture that. That's one thing that you're you're right on. You you have to you can preach it all you want, but to actually make it happen is another thing. And if they are able to kind of get that genie in the bottle again, like they did in eleven, you're right. They 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 might be on the path to one hell of a season this year. Do you feel like they will ever get to where they need to be with um, – uh, forgive me, I lost his name. The defensive coordinator. With Spencer? Yeah, Spencer. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like – I feel like this is my personal opinion. 
I think he gets about as much as he can out of what he's got. What he's got, yeah. You know, and now does that mean they're lacking? Maybe he lacks on the recruiting side, or they lack mm-hmm. on that type of stuff. Maybe so. Maybe that's the perception of the school too. Like we talked about yesterday, where you're so offensive heavy, it's hard to get defensive guys in there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he gets what he can out of the guys he's got. Now, whether or not that's good enough to win the Big Twelve, we'll see. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if he's the only problem they have there. It could be position coaches and things too. I don't know. But I was just curious. Um, you know, overall, like I said, he they didn't get into a whole lot. I felt like of you know he talked a little bit about the freshman corners because they they had moved some guys to you know safety and things. Uh, and he talked a little bit about the uh, forgive me for not having his name the JUCO transfer from Clemson. I think it is. Uh, uh, the, the grad transfer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they talked. He talked about him and how he's on campus there now, and and they're really excited about him. Um, so that's a that's a position of interest, obviously, for them. Right. How, how corner is going to work out? Uh, Cullen believes they could actually be better there than they have been, because again, they're getting athletes now. They're right. even though they may not be getting the best players in the world, especially in the secondary, they're getting a lot of really good athletic players. And I think one of the best moves they made this season was getting Henson as their offensive line coach. Uh, it sounds like he's really good, doing a good job of hitting the recruiting, and the, the players are, are gelling well with him, mm-hmm. and, and they're improving. And that's one area last year, if you watch Oklahoma State, they struggled in. And so I think that was a really good hire in this offseason. I'll be interested I'll be interested to see, too, what he does for the run game from an offensive blocking scheme situation that maybe they haven't been doing. Again, like Gundy said last year, there's only so many things you can do. Only so many run plays are out there technically. Right. But I'll be interested to see how maybe they block things differently or – uh, maybe guys have their responsibilities better than they did before or whatever. So, um, you know, that'd be one thing to watch. Uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, he's bringing back a mature, experienced team for the most part. It's not a lot of question there. Um, and, and they might have the best wide receiving core in the entire in the country. country. Yeah, I, if I, not, they're one of the top five. Like you know, right there. So I mean, there there may be guys out there, and I'd have to really think about it. That may have a better one or two punch, baby, but not. Depth-wise, like when you start getting into five, six guys deep, I just don't see anybody touching them. Yeah, and, that's the biggest thing is, yeah, they roll out one guy who's their number two receiver, but they're going to bring a guy in who's basically the same guy. Mm-hmm. You don't normally see that on, on a big-time college level like that. And they've got, as we've talked about too on in past shows, people that may not notice it yet, the Big 12 is starting to recruit bigger receivers, bigger, taller guys, yes. which is important. I mean, you need those guys, uh, bigger, taller guys down in the red zone and things. And – um you know, with Oklahoma State, I think you've got a good mixture of both. You have the shorter, fast guys that can make you miss, but you've also got some bigger physical receivers, and I think it takes both. You it need does, both right. to really be effective in all situations. That's that's why I hate to be a corner in the Big Twelve. I mean, no, I know it's it's pick your be a nightmare, man. And that's why I think it's I think it's so interesting that we don't see more big time corners come here. I mean, why wouldn't you come if you're really a gamer and you're really you know how it is if you're an athlete, you feel like you're really good at something. You feel like you may be the best at something. You want to be challenged. This is the place to do it, man. If you're a corner, come play this league, if or even a safety. You know, come come test yourself against the best pass offenses you're going to see in college football. Period. Anywhere, bar none, week after week. Um, you know, that's that's why I don't understand why we can't get more here because I think the coaches ought to be selling that. If you want to prove you're the best and get to the NFL, come do it against the best. You know, um, the SEC may have a better one or two big physical receiver that signs an NFL contract. But when it comes to passing games and, and learning how to defend them, and, and especially the elaborate ones, you're going to learn it better here than anywhere else. Right. So, you know, that's one thing I think that we should try to exploit more than we do. Um, also, 
with Oklahoma State, we got to uh, the world who hasn't kind of known about it. Got to meet Zach Signer. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, his Heisman campaign. If, if you haven't got – I think it's Zach Signer for Heisman.com or something. I'd have He's to look genius, it up real man. quick. But uh, please go visit that website if you get a chance. It is hilarious. The, the kid's genius. I mean, like, it, his, his flyer that he was handing out at the Big 12 Media Day – is one of the mm-hmm. funniest like flyers. I mean, I, I know there's pictures on Twitter, and I think it's on our account too. You can see it. But I mean, the kid's really creative, and and I think it's great because it's all tongue in cheek and everything. But you know, punters, punters are people too. Pun, yeah, punters are people too, and they and, and he, he's part of the football team, and he's actually a really good punter. You know, I mean, if you look at what he can do, he's a pretty impressive I, punter. I love uh, the I love the quote on there. It says, uh, you know, it's like basically like using quotes and references uh, from Rudolph. It says. He's been really key for us this year, and it says, quote, Mason Rudolph, quarterback, friend, (laughs) 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 and stuff like that. So uh, we got a real quick clip about him explaining his – just because I thought it was an interesting Heisman campaign. Uh, And and then towards the end here he talks about the little little three-leaf pamphlet, basically, that he's handed out to everybody. Heisman candidacy? It all started after my Central Michigan (laughs) – it all started after the Central Michigan game. A couple people t- uh, tweeted a signer for Heisman, um, and it kind of just took off from there. Kind of like got really popular last season, um, and so uh, the media people did a great job and said, you know, just take it, take off with it, and run with it, and have fun with it, and enjoy it. And so that's kind of what I'm doing, going back for my fans, uh, all the people that have been there through the, the good and bad, uh, <laughs> sticking with me. So were you disappointed that you didn't make it to uh, New York last year? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> we put together these uh, lovely pamphlets. Uh, for I, you. I went to the uh, I went to a uh, store in Stillwater and got my shirt made, and then I also got these pamphlets made. Okay, how about the website? How did you get that together? I did that when I was on the way down from uh, Stillwater this morning. I did it on online. Okay. And then I dropped it when I got into uh, Frisco. All right. So what did what do you have there on the pamphlet? Uh, um, can you explain it a little bit? Yeah. So animals love me, um, but obviously upon is don't. Here's some stats um, that obviously why the punters don't like me. Uh, number one in the country. Percentage inside the 20. Um, punts and downs inside the 20. Uh, that says amazing hang time. That's because of my punt team. That's not because of me. That's that's all then. My flyers are unbelievable. The guys up front block really well. Um, Mason has a quote down there. Um, and then Coach Spencer talked highly of me, which is awesome. And then... Uh, Says I'm skilled at most sports. And look at that height. That's pretty good jump right there. It's got some ups on that one. I used to play baseball, but we did a little softball tournament in the summer. And so that's that's from that. And is that your dog? Yes, sir. That's my dog. And I like cool dogs, I guess. <laughs> so uh, that's, um, you know, that's a little bit of what we're dealing with with Signer. He, he's a character, man. Uh, that mustache was spectacular. Yes. Uh, kind of reminiscent of the ones Mayfield and them wore at the the Bedlam game a few years ago. See, this is one good thing about like media days and stuff is that you get to see characters like this. Like, mm-hmm. cause, I mean, everybody's so wound tight and in that coach speak like we talked about earlier, and everybody's like on this mission to not not do anything or not uh, you know give out any 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 secrets or anything that's going on. It's it's just refreshing to see a guy come in there and just mm-hmm. have fun. And, you know, obviously he's a good football player. He contributes to the team. But just kind of enjoy being a college football player. Mm-hmm. You know, not not over worrying about all the things that come along with it. Just just enjoying being in the moment, enjoying being a player. It's, it's fun to see something like that. 
Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, I, he's done a really good job with that. If you get a chance, go view the video <clears throat> that I just played. Uh, it's on ESPN. Uh, if you want to go to search Oklahoma State or the Big 12's page, you can search either one of those, and it'll be on there front and center. Uh, and, again, go look at the website. I wasn't aware he made that, and dang sure wasn't aware he made it on the way down there. Because that's a – I mean, it's there's a little bit of work that went into that for them to – you know, it's very, I don't know, uh, kind of old, dated look to it. Like it's, But it's fun in a fun right. way. Uh, I don't know, but anyway, he he's he's quite the character, man. He, I think he's got a future in some things. So yeah, and I, I like how he said that the the athletic department said just kind of run with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. With that it. was don't, smart. Yeah, yeah, it was genius because I mean now they're getting views and they're getting things talked well, about that they they wouldn't otherwise. This is exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about when I said the Big Twelve has got to catch up in media type stuff. Right. This is that's a perfect example. Somebody was smart enough to see it and say, hey, we got something here. Run with it and bring exposure. I mean, that's these are the kind of things. And I know to some people, especially the older guard in the world, doesn't seem like that big a deal. But I'm telling you, it's everything. Um, if there's a player out there uh, who may be waffling on Oklahoma State, that's a key player and sees this and thinks, man, they're going to be behind me and allow me to do have fun and free. You know, that can be a selling point to a kid. Right. It could literally be that something that simple to an 18 year old. Well, kid. especially a kid like that who's apparently you know he's, he's got some artistic ability. He's smart. He's well spoken. He he likes to have fun. Like it, it shows that the, this university, I'm going to go play football, but they're going to let me be me too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like a balance. You, you don't have to lose yourself going there. And and he's a punter. He's not a quarterback. Yeah. He's not a running back. He's not a wide receiver. They're doing this over a punter. Yeah, and, and they're so, having fun with it. And, and I think the whole team is having fun with it too. I think it's like a they, they like they they're having as much fun with it as as he is. I love that Glenn Spencer spoke highly of me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's Oklahoma State's day at Media Day. Um, you know, anything else you you can dive on there? Uh, Oklahoma State didn't have a lot out there, man. They're still. Uh, that was maybe the toughest time I had finding information out of literally just about anybody but Kansas. I can't believe Kansas State to some degree too, except Bring on the Cats does a good job with Kansas State. So, you know, again, uh, if anybody out there is an Oklahoma State fan and, and is interested, and again, the, the pistols firing and the um, uh, Cowboys ride free do a great job, but trust me when I say there's room for more. Uh, anybody out there has that ability and wants to start maybe a site or a blog, uh, I'm telling you, the room's out there to do it. Uh, not to go up against any of our, our friends or anything at other sites, but I just feel like, you know, the fans deserve the coverage. Uh, me as a fan, I have no interest. I, you know, I love the guys at Cowboys Ride for Free. They come on and help us, and I'm you know, all about supporting them and go to their site and everything. But I'm just saying, if there's one school that there's room for more coverage out there, it's definitely Oklahoma State. So, you know, uh, moving on along here to uh, Kansas State uh, with the old Bill and, uh, you know, his talks and everything. Uh, first thing I wanted to get to, and you know, you something you said you wanted to address, you know, um, and forgive me, we talked about his name of France, uh, Scott France, yes. uh, the whole him coming out, uh, and be a gay publicly situation. It was something we brought up on a show we did last week, but at the time didn't have all the facts that we have now. Right. I wasn't aware. I mean, the kudos to that, that team and that athletic department, keeping the lid on that for two years for his personal well being and everything. Cause um, you know, the world's changed a lot in two years. Opinions have changed a lot in right. just two years. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard an interview with Bill Snyder talking about it, and he said basically Scott France came to him and, and, and told him, you know, that he was gay and he wanted to go in front of the team and tell him that. And uh, so, so Bill said that, you know, he was 100% supportive of him doing that. And uh, he went in, in front of the team. I guess it's probably been about a year and a half ago or so he did this and, and kind of told him, you know, spoke in front of everybody, told him that he was gay. And, and uh, he, 
he was met with open arms and uh no one in the locker room cared no one said anything negative and for them to this kind of shows the kind of bill snyder type of atmosphere family family first because for something like that to be said you know to a, a group of people that size in this day and age with all the social media all the different things that get leaked and everything for that not to come out until he publicly said that mm-hmm. is truly a, a testament to the way they do things there in and, my opinion and i'd be surprised too that maybe if it didn't get to a couple of reporters in locally in manhattan but that's also a testament to that culture and environment there that's manhattan it's not going to get out a lot of those people respect you and would keep right. it quiet whereas well like the bob stoops thing People knew Bob Stoops and Norman was going to retire. There were some key people that knew he was retiring hours, if not days, before it happened. Kept a lid on it. That doesn't happen probably in in a USC or a place like that. And this type of thing too does not. You don't keep this quiet in some places like that probably. Right. So so then he came came to Bill Snyder again and said that he wanted to go public with with uh, with him being being gay. And he uh, Bill Snyder said that he respected that decision. Uh, asked him why he wanted to do that, and, and, and Scott France said that he felt like he might be able to reach the people who might be in the same situation who don't have someone to look up to or feel like they have to mm-hmm. be, you know, have to keep it quiet. And so uh, Bill Snyder was very respectful, and he said, you know, we just kind of talked about the negative things that could come along with this, and as long as he was okay with that, I was okay with that too, and, and we would we would go through this thing together. So, yeah. I, you know, I came out, out of it, the interview thinking not only – you know, was this kid pretty amazing for having the courage to do this, but also Bill Snyder, the coaching staff, the players in the university and stuff for, for sticking by him and mm-hmm. also, you know, promoting it and, and being being very positive about the situation. I thought I thought it was all around was very handled very well. Again, just a testament to the culture there. Uh, there's a lot of places that wouldn't do that. Um, and, you know, again, I respect the kid for doing that because – Again, like he said, there are a lot of kids out there struggling with this issue and don't have heroes and don't have people to look up to, and it's led to some really dark times and situations for a lot yes. of those kids. And mm-hmm. instead of the common reaction we get in this part of the country with a lot of people maybe not being so open to it, they were you know open to it and and you know dealt with it in a really positive way. I felt and so, I, I felt that they viewed it as a positive. Like exactly. They, they they did they thought everything that he was doing. He was doing for the right reasons and was positive about it. Well, keeping you know? something buried like that's not going to be healthy for anybody. No. So, I mean, that's probably only going to help him uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. It's only going to help him. So, he'll be a better person for it, I think. So, kudos to them on handling that that way. You know, it, it could have went in a really dark way for a lot of people, but, you know, it turned out great for him. Um, and, again, kind of that theme of culture. Uh, the clip we have here, real quick, uh, Bill's going to talk a little bit about the culture and everything there at uh, Kansas State that he set up and, you know, uh, what's basically, again, kind of like with Gundy, what's made it a success and everything. And, uh, oh, well, uh, sorry, I meant to finish that by the culture and everything and what that's led to and the momentum they've gotten from, you know, the success and established, you know, he's, he's established a line of success from the culture and how they've, you know, just been good year in, year out consistency and, you know, what that means going forward into this year for them. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not naive to the fact that the players, you know, certainly are going to pay attention to that. I mean, they read everything that's uh, that's put out. And, you know, if you can get it on uh, any type of social media outlet, they're going to see it. I guarantee you that. Uh, you know, we flew down here. We're in the in the plane for an hour and whatever, an hour and 20 minutes or so, and all five of them. We brought five uh, tremendous young people with, and all five of them are buried in their phones. Uh, now, some of that was 
goofy video games, but uh, also it's just, you know, gaining knowledge. And, and, it's, and it's amazing what young people, you know, have exposed themselves to in regards to the use of uh, social media, etc. But, uh, you know, I... You know, we've never approached a season uh, any differently, one any differently than another, you know, whether that be right or wrong, you know, and the idea that, uh, you know, if you do have, you know, an, a, a certain number of people returning, which we have, a, you know, a reasonably large number of returning players, starters in the program, uh, it, it's not about who you have back or how many you have back. It's really about how you prepare yourself game by game, you know, and it's that's the important thing for us. And, uh, you know, my caution to our players and to anybody that uh, would listen would be uh, not take anything for granted. You know, it's a, you still have to do it. You know, as a, the old adage, you still have to play the game. Uh, you still have to practice every single day. And if you're not doing anything to get yourself better, then you're putting yourself and your teammates in jeopardy. Okay, that was Bill there. Sorry, his answers are all kind of lengthy. <clears throat> there was so many things I wanted to play of him that it ended up being like four minutes long. Uh, his whole thing was 15 minutes, and I think it was like five questions. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he just, I mean, he's a talker. Um, you know, again, showing his age there with the video games and, and the phones and everything. But um, uh, one thing, you know, a few things to get to with him. Uh, one thing I thought was um, – you know, I don't know how to put this. He, the, Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman asked him about his health and how he's doing and everything, and he appreciated it, but he brushed it off. He's quick to brush right. it off. That kind of worries me a little bit, that maybe he's not as in good shape as – the way he reacted to a lot of the questions, it was kind of like, I'm fine, move on, you know. Um, and a lot of times that can be people hiding things. And I don't know. I don't, know. I don't have any inside information here. Right. Just To me, if he was healthy, a lot of times the answer to that would have been, well, I've met with the doctors and everything's good and everybody's saying and all the, you know, you know, you get that a lot for people in those situations. And he just didn't, uh, you know, give anything. But, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Let's move on. But, you know, when you think about it, though, his personality has always been that kind of way, though. It's, it's always been like family first, mm -hmm. sacrifice yourself for the betterment of of the group as a whole so i mean i don't i don't i don't i'm like you i don't know i don't have any, any information whether or not he's cancer free you know he what you know what's going on i you know we, none of us actually know but just kind of his personality it really doesn't surprise me because he's just that type of guy that's like we're, we're a family family first you don't worry about yourself you mm -hmm. do whatever you can to get better today and that's what i'm doing too even even though i mean the man is battling cancer. He's still battling to be better today than he was yesterday. So I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think it's kind of like he's actually doing what he's preaching. You know what I mean? That's just kind of that's kind of the way I took it. I I'm like you. I I don't know. He he never really said whether it was cancer free or whether you know what was going on. But I mean, but when you really think about his personality, it really doesn't surprise me that that's the way he answers the question well, here. If I'm not mistaken, he came out earlier this year. Or somebody did earlier this year and reported that he was okay now, but. Um, you know, I don't know it, that I can see him being the guy that would hide that. And we find out years later. Right. You know what I mean? And it just, I, I wonder, and again, uh, this is all coming out because this year it, there's starting to be some murmurs that this could be his last year at Kansas state. And again, that's something that's happened several times in his tenure at Kansas state. But, um, to, now it feels a little more real than ever. Right. Um, and you know, if this did turn out to be his last year, it absolutely would not shock me a bit. Uh, if he stayed five years longer, it would not shock me. <laughs> right. Um, right. So, you know, I don't know. It just, to me, 
the way he was so quick to dismiss it almost felt a little bit like we just need to get off the topic and move on. And again, right. I could see that being him, but I don't know. We'll see. He he may be the only coach in history. I mean, in my opinion, he might be the best coach in history from where he took Manhattan to where they are. Oh God, yeah. You know I mean, like if you really. Th- if you go, you know, we they were the worst people, program in college football history. Yeah, and, and people don't realize what he done there. You know, a lot of the younger people don't understand mm-hmm. how bad it was and what you know. I heard him telling a story that when he first got there, the very first interview, the very first time he talked to the players, one of the players, you know, he asked them to stand up and kind of talk about Kansas State football, and one of the the very first guy stood up and he said. As you know, here in Manhattan, it's cold. He said it was in December. He said it was cold outside. And he said, all of us have coats on, but none of us have our letter jackets on because we're embarrassed to wear them. God. And so, I mean, that that that's that's how the players felt that way mm-hmm. inside the program. Mm-hmm. So he took them from that to where they're at now. It's truly amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm i like you. If he, he To me, the game hasn't passed him by, though, because I mean, he still wins ballgames. He does it a different way than everybody else does. But if you look at his records, they win ball games every year. Mm-hmm. It's truly amazing someone can coach that long, take a break, come back and coach again, and still be that successful. It's it's amazing to me. Well, see, it's hard for us to know because we don't have any inside track yet. And, you know, again, we're working on those kind of things. But um, it's hard for us to know how much he hands on he is anymore. I don't feel like – to feel to some degree he's had to slow down. I mean, just oh, yeah, pure – Just age-wise, but, you have to. I mean, listening to Bob Stoops and the guys that are, came from his tree talk about the stories of how he could grind, you know, with anybody. You know, you could see him working himself to the bone so many years. But, you know, he's, he's definitely established a CEO-type thing where he, you know, hands it off and lets his assistants do a lot of that culture now. His sons are there keeping the culture going to where he doesn't have to work as hard. But – you know, I again, if he isn't having to, to invest as much time and work as hard, maybe that is a way he can continue to do this longer because he's not having to be on the grind every day. Um, but when it comes to recruiting and all that, it's important for him to keep a face of strength and I'm going to be here because, right. I mean, how long have people probably been negative recruiting Kansas State saying, you know, Bill Snyder's getting ready to leave? And, and, you know, how many times have they been wrong? Probably a decade now. Yeah, absolutely. If not longer. Um, so... You know, I don't know. I, I worry about the guy. I hope he takes care of himself. The guy is a legend. Um, again, easily could make the case for the greatest coach ever, um, especially if – I think it would be open and shut if in 12 they could have found a way to win that game in Baylor and, and make it to the national title. But well, and but if, the way I look at it too is, is like Nick Saban's considered – and obviously he's done great things. No, you know, I'm not going to dog the guy at all because mm-hmm. he, he his, his record is incredible. But it's easier to do what he did at Alabama than it is to, to do Kansas what State. Bill Snyder did at Kansas Nobody's State. Nobody's done what Bill Snyder did at Kansas State. It's truly Nobody. amazing. Not, I mean, that, not to that degree, not that bad, not for that long, not that much success. And then to not only do that, but to also get it going and then stay there. Because you mm-hmm. know people want him to go come coach other places, and he stayed there mm-hmm. and kept it going. That, to me, is a testament to his character and to his, his ability to coach. Because that's hard. it's almost harder to, to withstand – that many years at one place as it is, you know, to do anything else. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So, um, you know, he talked about, you know, they, they did talk about uh, France a little bit. You know, that that was a long discussion. He that he was hit up a lot about that. His health uh, was dismissive on that. Um, he talked about Ertz. You know, that's been my big question to me. And this may seem like a no-brainer thing to a lot of people, and I'm sorry if it does. This team is going as far as Zach Ertz is taking them, because Jesse Ertz. They, or Jesse, I'm sorry, Jesse Ertz. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, I apologize. Jesse Ertz is taking them because um, they 
have all the pieces, in my opinion, to have a really successful team this year. And again, they're gonna have some, they have to replace two really gifted linebackers and all that. But um, I think for the most part, they've got the pieces, especially on offense, to to have a really successful year. Um, but I, he has got to become a better passer. He's got to. They've got to find a way to be because he's got some decent receivers there and everything. They can they can do some things. Um, but he's got to become a better passer, and I think it's going to be as far as he can take them there. So, I don't know. He talked about how he was proud of him and how he's come along. He's proud of his, you know, he's gotten better this year and all that kind of stuff. But, again, it remains to be seen. We'll have to see what he does this year because I just – I have a hard time – and I don't I don't mean this in the same way on, in a negative standpoint, but I kind of feel like we know what he is at this point too, kind of like we do um, Hill. Yeah. Um, I mean, only only difference between that is is he's not going to be asked to do as much no as he'll, he'll was not. last year yeah you know, so I mean he his his the way he's going in the season is going to be a little bit different than what Kenny Hill deal with last year mm-hmm. you know at, at TCU and the other side of that too is he's had one year to yeah because he got hurt um, so you know he may progress a little bit this year we'll see I just I don't know I, he doesn't look like he's that get to the passer to me but he may have developed it over the well, summer we'll see I mean when I heard him talking in the interview uh, well I can't remember who he was interviewing with but he said that the players around are saying he's throwing the ball better than he has since he's been at Kansas State the, the you know he's throwing it harder more accurate uh, you know so to me that's positive signs now whether or not that translates onto the field on Saturdays we'll have to see but I mean uh the, the other players have been raving about the way he's been throwing the ball in the offseason. So, obviously, he must be improving some for them to say that. Uh, he was also asked about, you know, how a lot of programs have had the, you know, the analyst and quality control people and all that. Um, to me, it's plain and clear until he's gone, Kansas State's going to be business as usual. It doesn't seem like they're going to uh, go out of the box and hire a lot of those type people that a lot of other schools are. And, and some of it has to do with money, he said. Um, now that being said, I feel like with the money they're getting back revenue from the school or from the big 12 conference, these schools can afford some analysts, a couple of them anyway. Um, and I think a recruiting in us would go a long way. Uh, if they could find a way to hire a four or five person staff for recruiting would go a long way for a program like Kansas state. Um, you know, again, I, that's my big question is can Kansas state, once he goes modernize and again, they're kind of, I, I term it, and this may be the wrong way to term it, but I turn them as kind of an analog program in a digital era Um, right they're still doing a lot of things the old way and i feel like you know as while that is consistent for them are they going to be able to maintain that and then take it to the next level once he's gone right well and that's the million dollar question because i mean we we see what happened when he left last time but that probably wasn't the right hire either no ron prince Prince was not the right yeah that, that was i think that was a disaster waiting to happen but i mean you're right. They they whenever they do tra- transition from Bill Snyder, you're right. That they're they're going to have to find the right type of young coach who thinks differently, who can help start pushing that program to to modernize it a little bit. Not to say that what they're doing now is not working because obviously it's working. Mm-hmm. It's just you're right. It, it can't. You're not going to be able to find the same type of guys Bill Snyder to plug in there and keep it going that way. It, it will have. There will have to be a cultural change there somewhat. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I've noticed about them at Big 12 Media Days, they still felt like they were flying under the radar. As good as a lot of people think they can be, and, and whether that's somebody who shares an opinion like me about Ertz or, you know, other situations, I don't know, but um, I still feels like people aren't taking them as seriously as they should. This is going to be a good football team this year. They are going to win a lot of games, you know. Yeah, 
and I think Bill Starr likes that. I mean, oh, that, I'm sure that's, he loves that's it. That's his, exactly what he wants. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah. I mean, but I mean, if you look at history, like we talk about all the time, we even said before last season. I remember you saying on the show, "Watch out for them next year. Next year is going to be their year where they're are are going to be a really good football team." Yeah. And so I mean that you were saying that over a year ago. So mm-hmm. I mean, obviously other people are seeing it, and he probably knows what's coming up too. Because I mean, yesterday I heard him. Uh, talk about how he thought Jesse Ertz reminded him a lot of of Colin Klein, mm-hmm. the way the way his mannerisms is, I, I kind of see and, and, the, and the way mm-hmm. that the, the team follows him, and, and the way that he's able to kind of rally the troops. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if they that that was kind of like one of those magical seasons too, where you know I mean Colin Klein things almost, went right, yeah, when in Norman was just nobody it, saw that coming, you know, and then you know Stillwater game if they would have won that game. I mean, if you look at all those all those things, I mean. He almost, you know, he was almost, he was up there for the Heisman for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he can kind of get that, that genie in the bottle too, as far as getting the people behind him, I, I'm with you. I think Kansas State's got a shot to make some, make some big noise in this league this year. Um, that's about all I got with Kansas State. Uh, any final thoughts you want to bring to them before we get out? Again, we're, we're going to do our reviews right. pretty soon, previews pretty soon. We'll get more into the X's and O's of the teams and, and all that from them. Uh, last thing we got here, real quickly, is Matt Rule. Um, you know, I, I thought Matt Rule did a heck of a job. Unbelievable. Um, you know, I was blown away by the guy because uh, I hadn't really had a chance to hear him speak a whole lot. Uh, you know, I heard a, I, I do, you know, believe it or not, saw him at Temple, uh, saw what he was doing there and everything, um, and, and got to hear him there. But just hearing him now and, and the way he's just taking this, this whole situation on head on and just, you know, <clears throat> not that. You know, it's a we're not looking in the rearview mirror mentality. We're we're going forward, moving forward, but it's while learning from the mistakes of the past. Right. Uh, that's been a key vocal point for him. To me, they could not have hit a bigger home run as far as sending a person up there mm-hmm. to represent yeah. their university after all the chaos over the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. He to me was like the perfect guy to go up there and talk for that university. Well, despite, you know, I don't, we don't know what's going to happen five years from now. Right. We have no clue. Um, Despite what he does on the field five years from now, when we look back at this hire, there may not have been a better choice for them off the field. Well, everything that he's going to do. for Exactly. And another thing too, I think Baylor university, I think they were smart enough to realize that this isn't going to be something that's going to get corrected right away. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, they gave him a seven year contract. So I mean, obviously they're thinking this is gonna this this is gonna hurt for a while. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take a little bit for us to get our feet back underneath us. But I think he is the guy. I think they feel like he is the guy to kind of lead us out of mm-hmm. this mess. And, and judging by what I seen yesterday, he he very well could be the right guy to lead you out of this mess. And I think Baylor will never quite get back to where they were before of just doormat of the league. I don't know that they'll ever get back to that point. Um, I, I think they've kind of established enough of a name and an image now. They can still recruit kids. As, as a parent, you know, with this, yeah. they've gone out and recruited some kids in a situation that wasn't easy to do. So I think there is some, some safety in that. And, and on the, coin, I mean, the flip side of that to me is I'm not sure if they can ever get back to the Art Bryles heyday either. That's going to be a tough get to get back to that point. I think they can, but I don't know about, I don't know about sustaining it. I I mean, I think they could have years every few years where they're, you know, competing for the league again um, and possibly a playoff berth, but I don't know as far as sustaining it year in and year out, man, that's going to be a lot. And again, it's going to depend on what he establishes there and figuring all that out too. I have no idea. I don't even know where to begin with him because he's not telling anybody. Right. So, you know, I don't know. We don't even know what offense is going to run. Exactly. I mean, I think I have an idea 
from the little bits and pieces I've taken from him of what he's going to do. But I don't think it's going to be um, – it's obviously not going to be what it was, but I don't think it's going to be all the way Temple either, if that makes sense. I, right, I think it's going to be – yeah, I think it's going to be a little more disciplined offense than what they're used to and doing, but they're still going to have – well, one thing that cracked me up though was what he he was saying like he he was planning on uh, only having his defense out there like sixty snaps. He's gonna run the ball and do these things. And, and uh, Dana Hogerson, you know how goofy he is. He was mm-hmm. just like, "Good luck with that." Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're exactly. If you think that's what's gonna happen, you're you're gonna be sorely mistaken because mm-hmm. it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I, that's the thing. That's comment. the thing people don't understand until they join this league. I don't care how good of a coach you are, defensively mindset, whatever. You could be the greatest thing ever. Um, you come into this league, any perceptions you thought of what you were going to do have to go out the window because you're going to find out real quickly it ain't going to happen. There's just too many variables that go on in that situation. So uh, real quickly to get this done, uh, this is Rule talking about uh, the culture he set up there. And, again, culture kind of the theme of the day for me with a lot of these coaches. Um, this is you know kind of what he's planning on establishing there, and I thought this was great. Great question. I'm glad you asked that. You know, I, I think for me, and I, I steal, you know, everything. I, I played for Joe Paterno. I was around Tom Coughlin. I, I read Pete Carroll. So to me, uh, what we're trying to do day in and day out is build a culture of excellence. And I'll make it, that's not because I'm at Baylor and because of the, that's what I would have done at Temple. That's what I'm doing here. That's what I'll do if I coach my son's, you know, I coached my son's Little League baseball team last year. And even though we were 3 and 15, that's what I tried to do there too. And, and all that is, is you're trying to build a culture of excellence where, where everything counts, where every single day, like, Whatever you're asked to do, you have to do it to the best of your ability. You know, where, where what you do off the field, what you do in the classroom, what you do, how you treat other people is just as important as how you run a curl or how you run a post. And, and we're trying to do that one man at a time. We're trying to make sure our kids know what it means to be a man, that, that they see that from the way that we, we, we interact with our wives, with our kids, the way we do what we say we're going to do, you know. So it, it's not easy. It's hard. But if you have a team that's really smart and good in school, if you have a team that's a bunch of grown men that do what they're supposed to do, the football is usually a lot more fun, and the football is a lot easier. So I don't think any one is more important than the other. Everything is counts, and everything's important. And you know that's that's how we try to run our program. That's how we try to live our lives, knowing that we're not perfect, knowing that I'm a mess half the time, trying to get better and better and better as a coach and better as a father. And so we understand our kids; they're, they're trying to get better. But every day we're trying to build that culture. So I don't know. I mean, I just don't think you could ask for a better answer. <clears throat> from what they're planning on doing there. I mean, talking about, you know, how watching them around their wives and, and learning how to train young men, how to treat women. And, uh, you know, that goes for any school, not just right. Baylor. You know, having to learn how to handle families and and t- learn about what it means to be a man, basically, uh, and, you know, and how to do that and also be a football player and how important education is. And, and it's just he's clearly turning over. Uh, you know, he's willing to sacrifice maybe some of the early success for we need to establish something. Again, he's building something long-term that can sustain, right. not a flash in the pan. Absolutely. You know, the number one thing I was told you guys overnight that made me so – and, again, I didn't know any of what was going on at the time. The thing that worried me so much about the Bryles was you don't take a program like Baylor, build it the right way, and it go from doormat to the penthouse overnight as quickly as they did. Um Again, RG3 had part to do with them taking off like that. But, again, as quickly as that – as bad as that program was, um, to all of a sudden just, you know, that sky's the limit with them. You don't normally do it that quick if you're getting kids to the right character, too, in there. Um, and, and that showed. I mean, it ended yeah. up being the case. Um, so, 
That you know, would be the downfall of the whole thing. Yeah, and, and now, you know, the rule is about, you know, we're building this the right way, the long-term way, and it's not always the easiest or the quickest way, but it will pay off for them in the long run. Yeah, I, I was just really impressed with him. I mean, I I mean, I, I've covered Baylor, and it's just been frustrating listening to people talk, and, and everything's kind of like been kind of hush-hush or not, not really fully open. Mm. It seemed like he was more – attacking the problem head on and saying, look, we, we know there's been mistakes made. We understand that. And we're, we're going to, we are going to do better. We're going to teach your kids to do better. This is how we're going to do it. It was more proactive Mm -hmm. than, than everything before everything, everything up to this point has been more of a, um, trying to wiggle out of things instead of just being honest and saying, there's been a bunch of screw ups here. We are going to fix them. This is how we're going to do it. They haven't done that until that point. To me, that's what I I most took out of that interview was there was finally someone there representing Baylor who was positive and saying we made mistakes, but also this is how we're going to fix it. This mm-hmm. is what we're these are steps we're taking. What? And, you know, that's the first time I've heard that out of a Baylor representative. That's why I respected uh, Kevin Barrera that we had come on with us so much because he's been so open about you know he's from Scout dot com. He does all our Baylor interviews when we bring him on. Um, you know he's so open about you know they screwed up they made mistakes he's not well, he's not shying away from that right um, you know there's a lot of fans who won't talk about it or, or don't want to talk about it well, you know? and, and the thing was is like he was saying that but we weren't hearing anybody that was getting paid by Baylor University that was saying that mm-hmm. this is the first time I felt like there was someone there taking accountability and saying okay these are the Instead steps we're away going, from it yeah, yeah. These, these are the steps we're going to take to fix this issue not mm-hmm. just try to try to like brush things under the rug or not be fully open, but, but also, you know, honestly saying going the future, this is, these are my plans. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, that was refreshing. Finally hearing someone from Baylor actually saying that. Yep. And I, you know, I really enjoyed listening to everything. I mean, I could have played so much of his interview. Uh, he did a hell of a job. He came on, he put on a show. Um, you know, if you're a Baylor fan, you had to come away feeling so much better about this situation. Well, and another thing I felt too is like I didn't take it all as BS either. Like I felt like no, you could tell he lives he, this, believes this. That's, this that's is what him. I felt too. Yeah, like, exactly. I, you know, sometimes you kind of see a guy and you're like, eh, I don't know. But I really felt like what he was saying, he truly believes. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was refreshing finally to hear that. Um, you know, there was some, some a little bit of just to let you guys know they were talking about some key position battles, Smith and the new Solomon. Uh, you know, and, and he threw in freshman Charlie Brewer into that situation. Uh, you know, they're, they're battling that out. He, uh, when it comes to the receivers and replacing Shock Linwood and all those different situations like that, and Katie Cannon and Zamora, he didn't want to come out and name any starters, but he did talk about, you know, Mims and Nicholson uh, and, you know, and Jamichael Hasty um, and Terrence. how they're – and Terrence and yeah. how they're, you know, he's like, I'm not going to come out and say any one of these are the guy or these starter, but they're all battling it out. Uh, on the offensive line, you know, I have a clip, but we really don't have time to get to that. Um, you well, know, and the thing you said about the quarterback thing too, to me, because they're asking him about that, and basically he just said, "They're all out there. We're gonna put the best guy in. Exactly. Who, whoever wins the position, which can be great about a new coach, right? Who I don't have any favorite. Basically, that's what mm-hmm. he was saying. I don't have anybody I picked out. Whoever is the best man for the job come come opening day." That's who's going to run out of the field. That so could be. I, I, I like. I liked hearing that. That could be so good for a new coach, about a new coach coming to a program with talent, like Texas and Herman, uh, Oklahoma and Riley. I mean, the big knock we've had on Stoops for a while is it doesn't seem like they were playing the most talented guys. They were just playing the older, you know, more comfortable, experienced guys. That's something, you know, I want to see the most talented twenty-two on the field, and I feel like you're going to get that at Baylor, at Texas, at Oklahoma now. Uh, you know, these guys get a fresh look at these at these teams and everything. So. 
Um, you know, on offensive line, that's where really, the, to me, the big question is. It is. Uh, they've got three guys that are pretty good returning. They've got two freshmen in the two deep right. behind them that they're going to have to rely on if anything happens. Um, basically, like he said, he joked, he said, nobody can get hurt on the offensive line. Right, uh, right. We did, we're screwed if they are. I mean, it, you can't do that. So that's really the question for them. And, again, we'll get more into that into the previews. But just overall, the main thing I took away from Baylor was just him. I mean, he just a stoic, you know, this is us, this is what we're doing, this is what we're establishing, we're all about this, positivity. And, you know, that's the big thing I took away from him. Yeah, obviously, I finally took away was somebody was taking – this is what we're going to do to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. Finally, I heard that out of someone from Baylor, not looking in the past or trying to figure out point fingers or anything. It was basically saying all this stuff happened. This is how we're going to fix it. And mm-hmm. finally, it was so refreshing. Finally hearing someone from Baylor actually stand up there and say that to the public. Yep. Uh, real quickly, Jockstrap, you got your uh, big three things you learned from the second day of media day. Yep. Number. Number one, does Mike Gundy's mullet play a position on the field because everybody's talking about it more than they're talking about football? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what position would that be? I don't know. Fullback? Yeah. Fullback? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I'm going that'd be, fullback. Yeah, that'd be like the perfect fullback mm-hmm. situation. Mullet, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a fullback name. Fullback mullet. or middle linebacker, one or the other. Yeah, mullet. <laughs> All right, number two, Dan- Dana Holgerson is a potty mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nothing new. Yeah. All right. Number three. If Lincoln Riley was was bad at quarterback, maybe there's still hope for me. <laughs> hey, that's one way to look at it, yeah. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Youngest head coach in college football. Yeah, that was that was my favorite comp- – my favorite lines was Dana Overson's line. I mean, obviously can't repeat it because what he said, but, I mean – it was all tongue in cheek and fun, and it was you know he has respect for him. I, I thought it was a really funny way that he made him sound like mm-hmm. this guy was going to be a good coach. You could tell then because he sucks so bad at quarterback. I he lo- asked really good questions. You know, I love listening to the old stories of like Leach and and uh, you know uh, what's his name uh, that coached at Kansas. Oh, Magino, Magino, and all those guys, and you know just the early days of coming to the Big Twelve, their time in Oklahoma, and then Tech, and all that stuff, and. You know, there's a lot of it's it's fun to look at that now and them when they're so young now, not knowing what we know now, how they turn into these great characters and coaches and you know all that stuff. So I love listening to that stuff. Um, I don't have anything else to add to under media days. Uh, you know, it was really good. Again, ninety yeah. percent of it isn't really worth even talking about unless you just really enjoy coach speak and a lot of the same blah 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 crap. Um, you know, we took what I felt like was important out of it. Um, you know, again, a lot of it, the culture people are establishing a lot of new coaches, a lot of new faces, a lot of happiness, you know, everybody's a lot of, again, I think this league's going to be so much better than it was last year. I expect good things in the non-conference. Um, you know, some of these games I feel like are more winnable than they were last year. I I like the way we did this because I felt like we put a different spin on what everybody else talking. Yeah. It wasn't just the typical. And our fans may not appreciate it. They may not like it. I don't know if they guys don't feel free to let us know. We're still trying to figure this out. This is just to me. um, You know, I'm, 
I'm so much. I'm more. I'm. I'm also a fan. As much as I enjoy the X's and O's and watching people hit each other and all that stuff, I also enjoy the mental side, chemistry side of understanding how a team functions and how they're going to get along and what that's going to take. And you can only listen to a coach say we're taking it one day at a time so much before you before you beat your head against the wall. Exactly. So, so you know, it's it, to me it was a really good media days. I thought there was mm-hmm. some great it, things come out of it. Uh, a lot of good young coaches. It was. And I, I'm really excited now to actually start because this to me this is the kickoff of football. It really is. This is the Unofficial, you know, official kickoff of so now I'm, of football season. Isn't it like six weeks? Yeah, and so less I'm, than six weeks, really. So I'm super excited now to get get. I think six weeks from night, Oklahoma State plays Tulsa. Yeah, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, and I'm super excited about the the getting into you know the preview shows. You know, now to me, like everything's starting to get fired up. Mm-hmm. It's when it gets fun to me. I think that first Thursday game is is. Um, I guess it'd be six weeks from tomorrow, yeah. wouldn't it? The first oh, Thursday. Yeah, game? yeah. Sorry, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. that's on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where we are. Uh, you know, I, we're going to start our previews next next week uh, with Baylor, uh, and then followed by Iowa State that week. So we're going to do that. You guys are going to get to hear from some of our writers that you haven't got to hear from yet. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, we also, I don't think Colin has announced this yet, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, we went ahead and secured pages for each team. Under our moniker, I guess you could say, uh, Big Twelve, Baylor, Big Twelve Country, you know, Texas, yada yada yada. Uh, we're going to release those pretty soon. We're waiting on our avatars to be designed for each one, and that will. We decided that'll be an easier way for you to follow. Our, they'll be controlled by our writers that, um, you know, push for that team, write for that team. Again, those guys are going to be your voice. So and, and you know, you'll also be able to bounce around and, and go see other teams in other mm-hmm. main you know main Big Twelve stuff too. But we want to make sure we gave each team their own due because mm-hmm. we don't feel like sometimes they get enough exactly. credit for yeah. for things that are going on. So this will give you, you know, if you're an Iowa State fan or Kansas fan who maybe doesn't have as much nationally stuff done, hopefully it'll give you a little bit more information that you can come get on. Well, and when you're fighting for elbow room with the Texas and Oklahomas of the world, it's just not – some of your stuff isn't as important nationally as other no. ones. So this like will give them their own page have to an article yeah, on exactly. Kansas versus Oklahoma, yeah. And, again, we care about this entire league, all of them. We all want them to get their due and, and again, you know – if nothing but testament to that, but how we feel about Kansas and their progress should tell you exactly how we are about this league. We want everybody to, to get a voice, and we thought that would be easier for you guys to find and follow, you know, Big 12 country, Texas, or Yeti. I don't even know what the, the handles are for them yet. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. uh, but anyway, so, yeah, we'll let those release pretty soon, and you guys will be able to follow those in your team. But, again, follow the main account too. So uh, anything, anything else we need to get to, uh, the shirts we should – our t-shirts i should know this weekend what our what our final uh design is going to be yeah we'll get some shipped out to people and, and just yeah. contests and fun things with those as well we'll probably start that next week i think we'll we should have our hands on we'll have our hands on them by august i think for sure so uh we'll start doing that you guys can get some of the shirts before the season let us know what you think about them and all that um we'll probably have a couple different runs and designs we do and everything but anyway if that's everything we got uh until next time i guess everybody say bye Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate this. See ya.